With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had a linguist. no idea. <laughs> I, love I didn't that. know you were a but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. 267 22 Jiggy. Hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? It must be that uh, David Bowie song. Jiggy Blake, it's all Jeff. It's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey. I'm the, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV. And uh, see a few of my tricks up there. Thank you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. Welcome to another edition of the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Coast to coast and bowler to bowler on TuneIn. Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and of course, 50-plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world. Today, iHeartRadio as well. We're going to be chatting with Mr. Malcolm Out Loud here in a few moments. Our telephone number is 267-22-JIGGY. And of course, on-demand, commercial-free podcasts, $5 a month. They're red-linked on the homepage at JiggyJaguar.com. 24-7 at JiggyJaguar.com as well. You'll find our online stream. Also, we are available on TuneIn and Radio Loyalty, as well as uh, many Android apps, including our own Android app, which is available at JiggyJaguar.us. Stream the show live, 24-7 replay, and, of course, exclusive news and programming information. Our program today is being brought to you by our good friends at AMFM247.com. Let's tell you a little bit about AMFM. 247.com. These folks are absolutely, absolutely amazing, and they are doing some incredible things in the world of radio. The best of talk and music 24-7 is available at amfm247.com. Nearly 70 million Americans now listen to Internet radio, and millions more are listening around the world. Arbitron recently asked Internet listeners if they were listening more or less to Internet radio, and amazing, 76% said they are listening to more. AMFM247.com offers this rapidly growing Internet audience the highest quality talk programming with hosts who are passionate about their shows and who have something to say. You can join their mailing list. You can check them out on Roku as well. And uh, if you want to host a program on amfm 247 Get a hold of them, amfm247.com. Also, while you're over there, they're an iHeartRadio partner. So that's a bonus if you're going to be uh, presenting with amfm247.com. You could potentially be on the iHeartRadio app, just like we are. Check out amfm247.com. We've got Malcolm out loud with us today. We are going to go to Mr. Malcolm here in a few moments. We're going to see if we can pull him up on the old Skybaroonie and see if he uh, see if he is there. I just love Skype. Sometimes I hate Skype, but uh, sometimes it works. And on this occasion, I'm hoping today that it works. 
So we will see if Malcolm can get pulled up here on the old skip. And uh, if you want to get a hold hey, of us, hello, there he sir. is. There he is. Look hey, at that on, at work. Hold on just one minute. Let me get off this other line. Hold on. Okay, no okay. problem. <laughs> We're going to wait on Malcolm. He's going to go uh, hang up with whoever the heck he was talking to. This guy's a power broker. He pretty much talks to people 24 hours a day. He puts things together. He's absolutely amazing. Check out MalcolmOutloud.tv if you want to get some more information on what Mr. Malcolm is up to. And uh, we're going to be talking to Malcolm today. What is this? I was mentioned in the conversation on Twitter, apparently. Uh, it was about Ed Till. <laughs> well, you know, things like this happen. And uh, Malcolm is going to be with us here in a few moments. Uh, while we wait on Mr. Malcolm, uh, you can go check out Malcolm Out Loud. Hey, bro. His, there he is. Mr. Malcolm, how are you, sir? Hello, you there? Yes, I got you. Oh, there you are. There you are. <laughs> there you, you are. Yeah. How are you doing? <laughs> Pretty good, actually. Um, we, we, we're talking today, year-end review, some of the different things that happened in 2015, uh, some of the things that happened in 2015, which are going to carry over to 2016. And, uh, Malcolm, I, I wanted to get with you today and, and, and take this special hour and kind of chat about some of these things. First of all, uh, but before we really get into the meat of the topic today, what was some of your overall impressions of 2015 before we hit our topics? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, well, I, I, you know, all right. So listen, at 30,000 feet, I, I think it, I think it's a year of transition for this country. And, you know, when we get into some of the things I think will happen next year in 2016, I think you look at 2015 and I, I my guess is I think finally Americans have had enough. And, you know, you and I have been talking about this for years now. And we said, you know, every election cycle, it's like, OK, you know, uh, what's going to happen here? And it seems like we fall into our the same, you know, same line of discussion. And but it looks this time around, based on what we've seen so far with, you know, the polls and the outsiders and all the things that are happening, seems like there's a lot of turmoil out there. And I think that it's now rooted itself into the mainstream uh, conversation. And I think people are really there. I don't think scared is the right word, but they're frustrated. They're frustrated. And in another word, I'll give you, they feel violated. violated. <laughs> yes. Yes, they do that. And, and that is you hit that right on the head, my friend. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that those two things to me size it up. Uh, and, you know, from every standpoint, I mean, you know, politics has a way of weaving it into our regular conversation, our daily conversation, Jiggy, you know, and you don't have to be a political scholar to figure out that basically we, we've got more challenges than we can handle right now on our plate. And, you know, how many, you know, when we first started talking, you and I, some years ago, I, I don't ever, I mean, we hardly ever used the word terrorism. I mean, it wasn't like a every conversation word, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now it's like you, you know, you, you, you can't go into the next room or go the, go, go, go turn on the television or go to the bathroom without thinking terrorism anymore. So it's become part of our daily dialect. It's become part of the way we think, part of the way we talk, discuss. Not a good thing in that sense. And I think people are a little, uh, worried 
when when you come down to it. So I I think that in 2015, I think, is a year. It's going to go down as a year of lessons. It's a year of lessons for this country. I think that uh, they're going to uh, I think people will take it from what they may. And I hopefully I pray that we'll make better decisions in this country. And I think people will hopefully <laughs> yeah. step up. I, I pray anyways for this, you know. So listen, I'm an optimist. I, I, I'm not a I'm not a rant. I'm not a, you know, a doomsday guy or a naysayer or one of these extremist lunatics. You've got plenty of those on the radio you can go listen to. That's not my ball game here, Jiggy, yes. you know? Well, and see, that this is this is something else. You bring up the term terrorism. Um, something that has become more of a, of a term that everybody uses constantly, especially this year, is the term right. active shooter. I hear okay. that constantly. From, well, if there's an active shooter in the area, or this is what you can do if there's an active shooter. What the hell? <laughs> why, why is that a buzzword, well, Malcolm? Well, that's a good point. Now, that's another thing that has been a real uh, trade-off in our country uh, this past year. I've been following up on all kinds of reports now that people, they they no longer want to go to the movies, uh, th- th- yep. that they're scared. And a lot of people have taken that out of their their weekly uh, you know activities, and uh, so I, I I think again a lot of this is very fear based. I think the media has played on it in a big way, and I think that uh, you know it's become a real problem. I, I what are you going to say at this point? So I, I think the only thing you can really do is be diligent. You, you've got to be diligent in your own life, but you can't live in fear and you can't start turning things off. Because then they really have won. The bad guys have won at that point. But I think what's happening now is everybody's playing into this fear. So you've got people doing all kinds of things on our interstates, in our theaters, in you know sports arenas or areas you've got to be concerned with. But you know there are bigger problems, my friend, ahead. And let's just keep our fingers crossed and pray that we don't begin to see, you know, that they get their hands on the bad guys, on chemical weapons or any sort of nuclear activity, because the problem with these cats is that they will use it. These are not just, you know, they will use it. They're not just going to put something, you know, with the idea that, oh, you know, it's not a peace through strength kind of thing. I'll just hold this over their head. You know, that's not the way they think. Anything they can do harm, they're going to use. And so... So you've got a combination of world terrorism. You've got a combination of local lunatics. You've got people yep. jumping into the bandwagon here. And you've got, really though, you have people playing into this, this fear tactic. And I, I think that's the biggest thing we're seeing now is all of this is hyped up. And you got, and then you got these people at home, Jiggy, with a couple of screws loose. I, yes. I'm very serious when I say this. Yes, and they see this so. stuff on, you know, CNN and Fox News and NBC and ABC and everything else. And they see it on the internet all over the place. And then they think, and these people who think in nefarious ways, they begin to think like, how can I do harm? And that's where a lot of these lone wolves and these local lunatics get their ideas from the media. It's just the way it is. The media is kind of sensationalizing a lot of it, reporting all of it, of course. And all of this is kind of hype. A lot of it builds up into the hype and it becomes in our conscious mainstream and our, you know, consciousness. 
And then you've got, like you say, uh, the what do you call them? Shooters? The, yes, uh, these, lone these, shooters these, or? these active shooters. That active shooter? Yeah, I'd like to out. see a bunch of dead dead shooters is what I'd like uh, well, to Well, that too. That too. You know. So all of that combined has made, I think, the last few years, but specifically, particularly 2015, a year of transition. And I think, I really mean this, and I think 2016, we're going to begin to come more out of this dark. I think America's going to get it, Jiggy. I'm putting my cards on this right now. I think Americans are going to get it. And I, in a good way. I mean, I think the light bulb is going off finally. I think we'll, I'm praying for this. This is what I believe. I think a lot of people will begin to be really conscious of who they're putting into elected office. I think we'll be very, very careful and we'll begin to come out of our shell and be the leaders that we are. And I'll tell you what, I think 2017 and 2018 are going to be pretty good years. We got to get through 2016 first to get there. And I really, I really do believe this. And, and I think we have to, um, uh, begin to, you know, lighten our load up, get the economy back and do a lot of the things that, you know, make life worth living. And th- that's what I'm seeing, buddy. We've got Malcolm out loud with us today. He joins us on our uh, commercial free edition year end review here on the world famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Find us on iHeartRadio and also, uh, download the brand new app, JiggyJaguar.us and listen to us on your Android device. And, uh, Malcolm, let, let's, let's cover in this next segment here, um, what, one of the big stories that, uh, that, that took place this year. It's, it, it kind of goes along with the theme of, uh, some of the top ten stories that that took place. Where do you rank on this list? Um, this whole thing with the presidential elections, this presidential gaga mania, where where they started running for president a year before. Uh, it, it anybody really, from what I can tell, care? But apparently they do now. Uh, th- this whole thing with like Donald Trump uh, reemerging from just being a reality show guy to being a serious contender. Bernie Sanders getting a, a group of folks on the Democratic side excited and Hillary kind of just being out there. <laughs> where, 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 where do you rank all this presidential hoopla? Well, listen, we have one of the longest election seasons in the world, let's be real, but we take our politics very seriously in America. And let's face it, Jiggy, it's it's part of our the way we breathe. It's the way we think. It's our democracy. Yeah. And so, you know, we have to take it uh, serious. But it is a long season. Uh, the general election is. It's not just one year. It's about two years. You figure right now we're a year off from when we've elected the new president, who which will take office the following January in 2017. You follow me? Yep. So we're we're over. We're about a year away from you know, we're we're just under a year away from the election. But this thing has already been going on for pretty close to a year. So yes. it's about a two-year cycle. But that's the way it is. And when you're vetting, you know, when you're vetting this many people and you're trying to go through all of this to pick who really is going to be the president, um, it takes that long. It, it really does. So I'm not surprised by this. It's, it's part of our culture. And uh, so, listen. I think, again, part of what I just said moments ago to you, I think Americans are they're frustrated and they're struggling and they are um, 
they're tired. I, I, you know, we, you and I have talked before about the political establishment. Now, you know, even my kids, Jiggy, who are now uh, 12 and 13, my, my boy and girl, okay? Yeah. They follow politics all the time and they're into it, and probably more so than most 12, 13 year olds because they know what Papa does for a living as well. They uh-huh. know what I do. Yeah. And they're into it. And the whole culture around the kids and a lot of their friends, they love the Donald Trump. They're playing him on Vine, and they're playing him on Twitter, and they're playing him on all the social media sites. Like, oh, Dad, look! And they got these cool videos with Donald Trump going, bing, bing, bang, boom, bing, bang, bing, 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 bing. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And they think it's cooler than cool. And they're showing me, look, Dad, look. And they just think he's become part of the... Um, the the, the, the the mainstream, the, the our, our cultural consciousness, you, you know what I mean? Yes. And, and I think people are, I, I think you have to realize that, you know, the, the, the Ben Carsons at first and the Donald Trumps and even the Ted Cruz's, who's an anti-establishment guy. And then you mentioned Bernie Sanders on the other side. Yeah. But really back to Trump, Carson, Cruz, I mean, these are non-establishment players. They're not political players. Now, these people... They have the political establishment very, very wary. Now, I talk to regular people all the time who don't necessarily follow politics, okay? Yeah. And they're thinking, why not Donald Trump? They're saying this to me. Why not Donald Trump? And and, and I, I say, well, 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 I don't know why not. Uh, I, mean, I'm not <laughs> I don't know why not. I haven't You're picked right. any. I, I don't have a winner right now. I don't have somebody in my mind that I must have for president of the United States. Yet, so I don't know. I'm still looking at everything. But they say... To me, why not? You know, they're tight. And I said, well, I say to these people, well, you know, the establishment, they are scared as hell of a Donald Trump. But they say, but that's what we like about him is because he doesn't do what is expected of you. I said, I know. And that has the establishment, uh, you know, crap in their pants. I mean, they literally are just crap in their pants is is the most. You know, that's the simplest way I can put it to you folks out there. Um, they're scared. You know, they're scared. And uh, so I, I think that this Trump has people energized from the fact that he says what he says, and he is not afraid to say what's on his mind. And I understand this fully because I do the same thing, I, because I speak from the heart, and I speak from my gut as well. And I use, but I do use some intellect. Now I will say this: I use my brain and more and my intellect in a more interesting way than Donald Trump does. And I don't mean this in a bad way against Trump. I'm just saying I think if there's a fault against Trump, sometimes sometimes you wonder why he goes there. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Sometimes you say, why did he say that? Now I'm not talking about a lot of the things he says because a lot of them I think they need a kick in the ass. People do, and the system does. I, I get that. I totally, totally, totally get that. Yes. I'm talking about other things that he does, Jiggy, that I wonder and I say, why does he make things more complicated? You know, Um, like give me an example here. The recent comments over the past week to 10 days about Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, right? Yes, right? yes. Now, that was a little over the top. Now, here's somebody here. Now, Putin comes out and says he respected Trump as a leader and – and and that he was a man of a skilled and talented and very accomplished and he said some very nice things. Now, once you compliment Donald Trump, you're his hero. So Trump comes back and says, Oh yeah, Putin's a good guy. I'd have a beer with him. 
And, you know, I can work with this man. And then people are, oh, they're aghast all of a sudden. You like Vladimir Putin, the, 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 the devil's cousin? You do, you know? And it becomes this whole thing about, you know, but the thing is, you know, Donald Trump, he, he could acknowledge Vladimir Putin without saying he's his best buddy. But then they say, well, but he kills journalists, Vladimir Putin, and he kills people, and he's bad in human rights, and he's this, and he's that. And they point out all the bad things about Vladimir Putin. And then Trump is left to defend himself why he is in favor of a bad character. Now, the character likes him, and that's why Trump likes him back. But it shouldn't be that naive and that simplistic. I think Trump would have been better served had he said, listen, I respect the fact that Vladimir Putin is a leader. His ratings are very high in his country. His people like what he does. I may not agree with everything that Vladimir Putin agrees with, but, and I'm not saying that I do, but listen, Donald Trump, the president, can work with Vladimir Putin, the president. And that's what I'm saying. If I was Donald Trump, that's what I would say. No, I think I can work with this man. But I didn't hear that from Donald Trump. All I heard is all of the other stuff that the media took and the political establishment took. And they kind of made Trump look like a bit of a buffoon as to why you would love this madman, you know, who's doing these supposed bad things. Now, you can say a lot of things about Vladimir Putin. But the point is, there are a lot of things I could educate people on that are not so bad about a Vladimir Putin. Christianity in Russia is at an all-time high. Vladimir Putin himself is battling. I mean, he's a Christian, you know? Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, so it's not all the way they say it is, but again, you got to get my drift here. I think where Trump sometimes doesn't use his intellect, Jiggy, is, you know, I like this Vladimir Putin. Oh, he's the bad guy. Yeah, but you know what? He's, you know, and he starts to be like he's a chum of his, like a, like a, like a, like a, a, a barroom chum. And I, I think he lost an opportunity there to say, hey, listen, folks, um, I just believe I can work with a Vladimir Putin. Now, our president has done a horrible job with relationships around the world, and specifically Russia is one of the relationships that they have, you know, totally uh, shot themselves in the foot with. And it's not just Barack Obama. It's Hillary Clinton who did the whole reset button and all of that business with Russia. Yeah. I mean, these people destroyed that relationship <laughs> from the inside out. And you can't just start turning the the faucets off around the world, Jiggy. You can't say, well, I don't like Russia. I don't want to deal with them. And therefore, you know, I'm not going to button. This is a country that possesses all kinds of nuclear weapons. They yes. are still a very big source and a power in the world. Make no mistake about this, folks. You can call them. Some people say, well, they're not a superpower. I don't care what you call them. You got nuclear weapons, kid, in your backyard. If I had nuclear weapons here at my home, Jiggy, and I had them in my backyard, you'd, you'd freaking well call me a power. Let yes. me think, you'd be Malcolm the Powerhead or something. <laughs> power yes. But you would call me something. You wouldn't just, you know, poo-poo me and say, eh, the hell with this Malcolm guy. He's got nuclear weapons. You know, he's nothing. That's what they do with Russia. Like, he, they're not a superpower. They're a nothing. They got, they got, they got, you know, they got as many nuclear weapons as we have. They, they, they may have more by some counts, but the point is, they can do some damage to anybody, including us. So don't discount them as like a, like a bad pimple. 
And yet this president goes around thinking that, you know, they're nothing. Like, we don't have to deal with them. Hillary Clinton, nothing. You have to deal with these people. So I think that's where Donald Trump should have came in and said, listen, I can work with a Vladimir Putin. I can do this. No problems. And that is why I have no problem with, you know, um, what Putin is saying about me. But you know what they did? The Democrats took that and they said, oh, Vladimir Putin wants Donald Trump to be elected. That's why he likes him. Now, listen, Jiggy, I don't believe that for two seconds. I think that is nothing but a bunch of rubbish. They don't, they don't want Donald Trump to be elected. I think Donald Trump is going to be a hard ass. And I yeah. think Donald Trump's the kind of man that if you cross the line, he'll cut your finger off. You understand? Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, okay. You don't want to screw with Donald Trump. You, you give Donald Trump a few weapons in a military as a commander in chief and a leader. And you come and you, I'm telling you right now, folks, you know, you have to go back. I'm not comparing him to Ronald Reagan, but you have to go back to a man that was tough. You go back to Ronald Reagan, he had the weapons, he didn't have to use them, and they knew it. That's why he dismantled the Soviet Union and Mikhail Gorbachev and changed the world and the Berlin Wall came down. Hey, but, you know, Donald Trump's that kind of person that, you know, if you step on it over the line, he's going to cut your, he's coming after you. And you can yes. imagine him as a commander in chief. And you know you're not going to use the world, you know, I can tell you right now. The United States is not going to be the laughing stock when it when and if and I'm not endorsing Donald Trump here, people. So don't get your underwear in a tizzy here and think <laughs> that I am because I'm not. Yeah, I'm just saying to you, you understand that that that, you know, th this is uh, uh, th this is a man who is uh, he's resonating with Americans for a lot of reasons. I think Americans are looking for a tough nut in the office right now, Jiggy. I think they're tired. Let's face it. What we got in right now, I'm going to be as gentle as I can with the next word. So if you don't like it, cover your ears. I'm going to, it's going to be a kind word. He's, he's a pansy. Now, I could yes. use a lot worse words there, people. Oh, very but, much so. Barack Obama is a pansy. Now you can put whatever adjective you want in there to replace the word pansy and you'll probably be, be accurate because I don't think there's a word too bad that we couldn't use to put in there. He's a bad president. That's all I'm saying. We've got. I'm sorry. As I digress, sir. No, no, <laughs> no. We've got uh, Malcolm Out Loud with us today here on our broadcast. 25 minutes after the hour. Thanks for joining us here on our big broadcast. It is uh, a a year in review special in our uh, in our next hour. We're going to be talking to IQL Rizzoli and uh, best-selling author Dan Perkins from TheHill.com. Get their thoughts on the new year. We'll also be chatting with uh, our good friend Mark Davis, the uh, author of Obamacare: Dead on Arrival. He will be chatting with our good friend Richard Kurtz from Strategies PR and the La Jolla Writers Conference. But in this hour, we kicked everything off with Mr. Malcolm Out Loud. And uh, Malcolm... Oh, you know, you know. hey, i got to interrupt you. Oh, th What's th up? Which is a good thing for me to plug. Always, the reason he's got me first, friends, is because you always put your best first. Exactly. See, you exactly. Hey, by the way... <laughs> Hey, by the way, I love IQL Rizzuli. He's going to be on. Yes, he's going to be on in our in our uh, in our third and final hour, I believe. I'll tell you what, he is today. a real he he's a real man. This guy is an ass kicker. I'm telling you, I like him a lot. <laughs> yes, hey, yes hey, he hey, is. And I mean that with all the respect in the world, people. You want to talk about a guy who knows what he's talking about, Jiggy? 
Um, and I mean, IQL Razuli is one of those people. He's so respected around the world. Hey, Jig, when he comes on, would you please remember to tell him that Malcolm said hi? I will mention that to him, and I know he'll be tickled to death because he. Yeah, tell him he's we're mentioned. on. And tell him I said hello, and 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 uh, I I need to talk to him again. Tell, anyways, uh, tell him I just love what he does, and I think he is a uh, voice of reason. In a, in, a, in a voice of intelligence in a very strange world. Yes, you know? yes. Now, as as we move forward here with uh, this year in review, besides the presidential uh, races and terrorism, what, what, what are some other things that uh, uh, 2015 will be remembered for as far as news and public information goes? Well, before I get to some of the political things and what have you, which I got a whole bunch here we're going to talk about in a moment here. I mean, there's no shortage of things this past year, but yes. which kind of set us up for what's going to happen next year. But one of the things I got to talk to you about, brother, and I don't know if any of you out there can agree with me. I'm going to get off of politics a moment. So, okay. but I don't get this. Help me out here, Jiggy, because I'm having a, and this is one of the things for 2015 that happened, which I, I don't really get this. I, I mean, would you help me understand what the hell the Apple iWatch is all about, please? Would you help me with this? <laughs> See, this is the this is something that I've been trying to figure out for the longest time because I remember when when I I used to have you know watches and 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 I needed to know the time. I'd look at the watch, and then it got to the point where you had your cell phone, and then it's like ah, you stop wearing a watch, you just look at your cell phone, and right. now all of a sudden we're back to doing this watch thing again. And uh, it reminds me of Dick Tracy too much. And I'm like, <laughs> Dick Tracy was like the, the, the Dick Tracy. Remember the guy in the yellow jacket? He in yeah. the comic book. Oh yeah, all Dick that? Tracy. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. that's 40s yeah. and 50s technology. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. You kind of your your signal went out a minute just after you said the word Dick, and I was worried about what you were saying or if you were calling me a name there. I'm no, sorry. no, no. And the last right. name was right. not. I just want to make sure. <laughs> So, right, so right, are we are we going back in time with the watches? Is that what's going on? Uh, no, that, that, ding, ding. no pun intended, Jig. Are we going back in time? Oh, Malcolm, there we are. Oh, you got it coming this afternoon, huh? All right, listen. I, I, I don't know, but I started. I, I, first of all, this Apple iWatch. Does anybody out there own one? If it, all right, here, I want to tell I you don't. this. All right. If you own one out there and you spent all the money on this Apple iWatch, then I've got a new invention I want to sell you. It's called the iUnderwear. iUnderwear. Okay? okay. And 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 it's a new invention. I want to talk to you about it. And what you do is you slip these bad boys or bad girls on, depending who you are. What you do, you slip them on your body. These this iUnderwear. And they're all wired with sensory, uh, what do you call it, um, like this new technology. It's very light, so you don't feel the wires, but it's very light sensory. And it lights you up, and you don't have to carry a phone. You don't have to carry a watch. You don't have to carry a computer. And what it does is it makes you a, a, a walk-in phone watch computer. But not only does it help you tell time, do computer activities, play your music, okay, Okay. But it tells you it tells you when you have to go potty. So if you have any problems with that, you now will know when you have to go to the bathroom. And with this eye underwear, you know, that, that you like sounds, the idea? that sounds perfect. 
Yeah. <laughs> that sounds absolutely. Perfect. I don't know what the I, I I the Apple iWatch. The more I look at it, buddy. All right. So listen to this. It, it says here. I looked up some reviews on this thing uh, the other day here because yes. I wanted to know what the whole thing was. I could not fathom wearing one of these. First of all, I'm a little too. How do I say to you? I'm a little too. Um, Manly. I don't know. What's that? Manly. Well, that too, and I, I have too much brand cachet to be sticking some watch that everybody and his brother has on their hand that looks like, in other words, McDonald's. It would be like wearing McDonald's French fries on your on your wrist. You know what I mean? Okay. Like everybody knows, <laughs> and like there's nothing special about McDonald's French fries. You, you know what I mean? You know, exactly. I mean, if you go to buy, isn't buying a watch? Wasn't it something individual before? Jiggy, that like yes, it was like an expression of who you was, right? You yes, know? You know? yes. Not everybody in the neighborhood had the same watch. You didn't go into like a restaurant and everybody had. Now you walk in a restaurant and they all got the eye watch, and you know, okay, <laughs> you maybe have a different color band or something. But I don't know. I think they look pretty gay myself. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, you are I correct. really do. And so now the the eye watch. From what I understand about this, and 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 let me give you a disclaimer. I am no expert with the eye watch, but <laughs> it's not designed to replace your iPhone. Okay, so there you go. But some apps they say uh, are really just displays for things that are running on your iPhone. So now you need them on your wrist. But they have to be on your phone. And you can't, you can answer a call with the watch, but your phone's gotta be near you. So you gotta have your phone in your pocket or something. Why do you need something like this? I mean, for what reason? <laughs> Why do you need something like this? I don't get it. I'm really befuddled with this whole watch business. And I've looked up and down and, and these things are not cheap. No. From the reviews. Like no, they're the not. Ones, yeah, the cheap, 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 cheap ones. Are around four hundred bucks, and 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 then you can spend up to seventeen thousand dollars for one. Yes. Can you believe that? I can't. This is just amazing. Yeah, I mean, so anyways, I do not like this iWatch business. So that is a real downer for me. Um, and if you if you succumb to buying an iWatch and spent all that money. As I say, uh, email me at shutup at malcolmoutloud.com and I'll send you the ad for my eye underwear special, okay? <laughs> God, Malcolm is that Out good, Loud. Jim? Yes, yes, that is. We've got Malcolm Out Loud with us yeah, today. Right. And email uh, me. Yeah. check right. out check out MalcolmOutloud.tv. You have what is it, seven hundred plus hours of content over there? Television, oh radio, all sorts of things going on over there. I do. I've got. I I do this stuff in my sleep. I feel like a mummified mummy. I don't sleep much. I feel like one of those Egyptians, you know. Yes. I don't. I don't sleep much. But yeah, I got a lot. You know, Malcolm Allow TV is doing really phenomenal, uh, Jiggy. I haven't had a chance to tell you, but uh, it's totally reinvented. If you haven't been there in a while, guys, you got to check it out. And I got to tell you. Um, Jiggy, there it's all totally new. We've done over 700 productions, five years, and the site. We're doing our best stuff right now on MalcolmOutloud.tv, and we actually have more viewers today than we've ever had in our lifetime over the last five years, and we have more subscribers today than we've ever had over the last. Well, since the birth of Malcolm Out Loud TV, so we're experiencing more growth right this moment with Malcolm Out Loud TV than we've ever had, Jiggy. You know? It's amazing. 
Yeah, That's absolutely good. It's amazing. going well. So thank you, everybody out there for, for watching. I, I was real pleased to be on the early part of this thing before everybody really discovered that you could run television on your web. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 indeed. Yeah. Now, now there's Malcolm, a whole lot more of what happened last year, buddy. You let me know when you want to go. I got all kinds of stuff. Well, here when well you're ready. what what are some other uh, what, what what are some other ideas that uh, jumped out at you? Because uh, because yeah. I know that you've yeah. got plenty of stuff we can cover. Oh yeah, here. yeah. No, here we go. Here we go. All right, let me give you some 2015 advice. Don't eat at Chipotle Mexican restaurants. <laughs> okay. That's another thing that happened in 2015. They yep. got E. coli. Uh, and there, so now the story that I just, uh, seen here that came out on Christmas Eve that they've adopted some new cooking practices. And, and to, to, to Malcolm says, you think you should? You, you think? <laughs> I mean, everybody's getting E. coli and people are getting poisoned and sick. I think they've got some problems over there at Chipotle. Yeah, I'm not going there any more time. I'm not going to Chipotle to have a, a taco burrito, and I'm certainly not wearing my eye watch there. How's that, brother? <laughs> no. i got news for you. But anyways, they were in the news this past year. Oh, and did you see this guy that happened in San Diego? This is a true story, what I'm going to tell you right now, talking about 2015 here. Okay. Did you see this guy in San Diego that happened right at the holiday? He was looking at his phone. He was at Sunset Cliffs in San Diego. And he was looking at his phone and walked right off the cliff. Oh, really? I must have missed that one. <laughs> oh, no, you look this up. This is a true story. This is really, really sad. In fact, if it wasn't so sad, I'd make jokes about it. Yes, because yes, it's I so know funny you would. Make jokes about this thing. <laughs> and I would never make a joke about a guy who died. But his name is Bill Bender, and I think he got bent up when he hit the bottom of the cliff. <laughs> But no, he did. He got, he went, he walked right off the cliff watching, he was looking at his phone. And he fell off the cliff and died, killed himself, man, accidentally. I mean, how stupid do you have to be not to pay attention when you're at the cliffs, you know? Yes, here, here it is. A distracted man who fell off cliff identified. I told you, I don't make any of this stuff <laughs> oh up, buddy. I'm telling you, you think I make all this stuff up all the time. I don't make any of this stuff up. This is real life. So, so essentially, what what you're saying, Malcolm, is that you're you're trying to underscore the fact that we need to we we need to pay attention to the world around us and not so much being stuck at our devices. Yeah, well, that's it. Now, if he had had one of those eye watches, maybe he would have lived. I don't know. Maybe. I'm not sure he would have. But uh, we have become a society that is so enamored with our stuff. I mean, let's face it. And that's a whole nother problem is in one of the big issues of 2015, my friend, are the hackers, our data security. The hackers are going to town on us. And this is one of the things I want to talk to you about today. Yes, I mean, we're talking, when I talk about hackers, my friends, I'm not just talking about your bank account numbers and your credit cards. You know, at one time it was a simple affair. Um, you know, a few years back, you know, they'd steal your identity, they'd steal your credit cards, take in your money from the bank, but you know, you'd live to tell it another day. Now, <laughs> they're after your, your, your private information, your security numbers, your kids' data, your photographs, uh, you know, they're after everything. So what's happening now is this past year, um, you know, you had governments being attacked more than ever. You had health insurance companies that were attacked this year, getting all your health, private, private health uh, information. 
there was another hack that happened just this year, uh, just this past month. Uh, a toy maker. Now get a load of this. And here's something I want to tell you folks. You're going to learn so much this afternoon. You're going you're to just be blown away here, man. So here is, um, uh, you ever hear of the toy maker VTech? Everybody, you yes. had to hear of VTech because yes. they make a, like a boatload of toys. Okay? Oh, yeah. Well, they're out of the UK. Now, when I tell you they were hacked out of the UK, now hold on a minute. I bet you 90% of you people out there, when I say that, you'll say, you'll probably say, and I, cause I know the way we all think. Come on, guys. I'm a regular guy too. And when, as soon as I say that, you say, your mind says to yourself, well, let's see, I'm in, I'm in Iowa or I'm in Kansas City or I'm in Los Angeles, uh, UK. I don't really care what the hell happened in the UK and I don't buy VTEX crap anyway, so it doesn't matter to me. So you tune the story out. See, that's where you're making a mistake. You gotta pay attention to what I'm telling you. What's happening now is the world is a global affair. Okay? We're a global affair now. Yes. And this thing that happened with VTEX in the UK, Exposed 12 million people, and guess what? <laughs> Most of them were right here in North America, and guess what? <laughs> Most of them were right here in the United States of America, and guess what? <laughs> it's because we have a global economy. I mean, it's because that just because it happens in the UK or China or Japan or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's like it happened in your backyard. So here's what happened. These, these, these uh, hackers got in and they exposed, they, they got the personal data of like 12 million people, gigabytes, loaded, tons of gigabytes worth of stuff. When I tell you stuff, boy, do I mean stuff, okay? So what they, and this is every company we deal with now, we're going to have to worry about this, guys. I'm telling you, I don't know where this is going. I know where it's going. It's not going to be pretty. Uh, technology and computers, uh, they're changing everything about our life and not so much in a good way, my friends. God, I think back to 1975, Jiggy, when the world was a pretty simple place. We didn't have computers. There were no email and you didn't have to worry about somebody screwing you over and, you know, dragging you through the oh, data yeah. highway of misery, you know? Oh, yeah. Now, I mean, six and a half million of this 12 million were kids, were minors, were your children, your, your, your boys and girls, your kids. Personal information. Get a load of this. Names, gender, birth dates. Parents, social security information, email addresses, security questions, IP addresses, password resets, photographs, headshots, logs of the chats you had with your kids on a lot of these sites. I mean, the only thing they didn't have is what you had for breakfast this morning unless you put it in there. You understand? Exactly. They got everything. So I think security was a big issue in 2015, bro. And I think this is going to be where the hackers and the terrorists and the bad people are going to play ahead. I think in the next few years, we're going to have some real problems. One of the other things we got to worry about ahead is our electrical grids. And this, I got other stories I'm following up on this right now, but our electrical grids are going to be a real, real problem. If you remember over the last few decades, we've had a couple of big blackouts in North America, which really were a problem. We could have a blackout ahead that could make us really stand still. 
And the hackers are all over this. The bad guys are all over our computers right now. And not, and I'm not just talking, you know, I'm, I'm talking a lot of bad guys. I'm not just talking other countries, but I'm talking, you know, cartels and terrorist people and people who want to do harm and bad things to all of us. That's what they live for, my friends. So I think that's the other big story of 2015 you've got to worry about, Jiggy, is the, these bad people. Okay. Well, and see that, that, that's, that, that's something else that I want to get your thoughts on is this whole thing of, we, we've been paying so much attention to all these other things, but the power grids, it seems, nobody really cares about. That's right. And That's right. you and maybe Dan Perkins and maybe a couple others on this show, and IQ especially, have brought up the fact that those are very vulnerable. Yeah, I'm very worried. I've talked to you before about this. Yeah. I'm very worried about certain things. Um, the electrical grids and our water supply are very much things that are concerning to me. I worry about the security of all of our people here, and th- and that's no joke. Um, and so I think we've got to press our political leaders and our business leaders as well to make more inroads here and do more to uh, cut some of this off. We've got to have more measures in place. You know, the problem with our country, one of the problems I see, Jiggy, is we're too reactive and we're not proactive enough. We spend too much time after the problem has happened trying to figure out why it happened rather than trying to cut it off at the past. So I want you to remember today, today, at this moment, as we do this year in review, that Malcolm has warned everybody to take precautions now and to... Look at these concerns. Our electrical grids are a, are a real concern, and we shouldn't wait till after the problem happens and then get worried about it. I think it should happen now. Another problem we got to worry about is, is these drones. These drones are another thing. You think it's funny? You're going, and that was a big Christmas item too. Uh, beside the hoverboards and crap were the drones yes. that you know fly around and they do all kinds of things now. And the problem is the bad cats are using these. They're going to use the drones to, well, not just for cameras, although that's one thing, but they're going to use it to carry weapons, uh, chemical weapons, uh, all kinds of weapons, um, and, um, you know, things that will make life real miserable for a lot of people. So I think as the drone market now opens up, you can see what's going to happen. You know, Jiggy, you remember we watched those futuristic movies years ago, and and you know you kind of you looked at those movies and you thought, oh God, I don't want to live in this era. Yes. And it was like it was all kind of made up science fiction hell. But it's like you were in these close quarters, and you had all these things flying around in the sky, and you had all these bad people all over the place, and there was they weren't nice looking. It wasn't like you know, they were environment friendly or anything. And you kind of seen those movies and stuff and you wondered, you know, that could never happen. You know, you look at it now and you wonder what's going to happen ahead 10, 20, 30. And I bet your IQ would have something to say about this. Too, oh, yes. You, you know, you have to ask them. But you look ahead 10, 20, 30 years from now and you can just see, are we really improving life? Are all of these things improving our quality of life, Jiggy? When you think of the things that the bad guys can get a hold of, and we're start talking drones, and we're talking computer sophistication, and we're you know we're talking things like this that can you know do more than just you know 
uh, you know, uh, a quick a- application or improve one's life, but you can do a lot of harm with these things. So, you know, we're talking about drones and Amazon using them and book delivery and pizza delivery, but I'm just worried about what else they can deliver to us, you know. Uh, the other big problem in our country is gun violence has been a big problem, and the politicians and the media heads have taken that out of control as well, Jiggy, gun violence. Uh, they think by throwing the guns away, somehow that's going to fix the problem. It's like these buffoons and these idiots in high office think somehow that, like, it's like, it's like the bad people, they think they go get everything legal. It's like, like they go into a proper gun store and have proper licenses and proper certificates and like, like, it's like they have proper etiquette. You know, it's like, it's like a Thanksgiving dinner. It's like you invite, you know, people who have some manners and then you invite some of those relatives that you know have really bad manners, but yes. you invite them because they're relatives. <laughs> and then yes, they make a right. pig out of themselves at the table and you wish you hadn't and had to invite them, but you invited them. You know what I'm talking about, Uncle Roy and Aunt Mary. I mean, they eat like pigs. And that's exactly what I'm talking about here. I, I don't know. Anyways, I digress, brother. I got <laughs> no, no, I I completely hear you on all that. We've got to... You know what I mean. Oh, you, yeah, I know definitely. You get it. I hope everybody gets it. And then this whole Black Lives Matter business. That's another thing. I mean, you know, no hands up, don't shoot, or whatever the hell it was. I mean... I mean, the whole thing was a scam from the first word go, and then yes, you had a question. Yes, it was. Yeah, the, oh, man. Then you had, you know, Jesse Jackson and what's the other retard from MSNBC? Oh, uh, Sharpton. Um, who is it? Sharpton. Oh, Sharpton. I can't, you know, his name, I get the hives when I, I put his <laughs> name out of my brain because I get the hives. Al, just when I say, listen, just when I say his name, do you people, Al Sharpton, ugh, I get like the hives all over me. My, my, my <laughs> legs boil up with, with hives. I'm not kidding you, Jig. It's horrible. I, I, I get sick over this stuff. I'm not joking you. It's really bad. But anyways, I think that's a problem. And you know, I haven't mentioned ISIS at all, but you know what? I, this ISIS stuff, you know what? You know, give me a, give me a president that's got some, um, give me a president who's got some balls or who's got some ovaries. I'll take either one. I don't really, I'm not, I'm equal opportunity here, Jiggy. You know what I mean? Yes. Huh? Yes. Very Give me much a president so. who's got some balls or who's got some ovaries. And I'll show you a president who, who can make ISIS a happy hour drink. How's that? And take them out of their misery. <laughs> Yeah, we've got Malcolm out loud with us today. Check out MalcolmOutloud.tv and uh, Malcolm, you you've got some other websites out there. Run down some of the websites so people can check those out if they haven't before. Well, listen, all right. So I talked to you. Yeah, well, all right. Let's do this. Uh, beside the Malcolm Out Loud TV, which I'm proud of the work there, I I, I really am. And and there's some. I'm not always a clown, my friends. Is and let me let you in on something. Anytime I'm with Jiggy, he, he pulls out the, um, how do I say to you? He pulls out, um, well, you know, the best and the worst of me. So he gets all of me. You understand? <laughs> and so, so isn't that funny how I, uh, I always seem to have more of a cut up with you, don't, don't we? You know? Yes. Yes. We, yeah. We, we, I, I, lo- we I always have, love being We with have you, fun and it's always informative, but, uh. No, we're informing people. <laughs> no, no, you're exactly right. No, we're not idiots. I mean, no, come on. No. We're in, we're informing people. But but uh, I like to have a good time with what I'm doing. That's all. And we make a joke here or there, but it's serious stuff. The other big site I've got, brother, which I'm so proud of, is Out Loud America. 
OutLoudAmerica.com. Now, you go check it out, my friends, but I've got some really, really, this is, this is a site. I've been trying to tell you, Jiggy, and, 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 and I know you haven't listened to me yet, but someday you will, because I know you love to go to this. I, I know, brother, I know. Um, listen, you're gonna, you're gonna need me at one point when, when, when we're old and decrepit. You're gonna call me on the phone and say, Malcolm, hello, can you get on the radio with me? You know? And I'm gonna say, okay, you old bastard, let's go! Ah, <laughs> oh, there you go. But, uh, anyways, um, so, uh, Out Loud America, I got commentators on there. This is the site you need to go to. The hell with Drudge. He sucks. But get Drudge. I know you go to Drudge all the time, and yes, he I sucks. Do. All he does is all he does is re- refabricate the same garbage that's out essentially. There that's what site. he does, Ooh. and I don't know Drudge how he's put been that able- on his site. It must be true. It's like E.F. Hutton. He gave you the baddest advice ever, but you still went there. You know what? I, he's not a badass. He's not a badass. I mean, he is. He just repurposes all the garbage out there. Essentially, that's what he does, and I'm still, I know, to this day, don't understand. To our, how did he get into our mainstream <laughs> consciousness, Jiggy? How did it happen? How did he get into being such a big deal when, I know. realistically, I know. he just like reposts crap? You're right. It's fantastic. But come on. It's like, it's like the iWatch. It's as stupid as the iWatch. Drudge. I mean, I don't need the iWatch, and I don't need Drudge. You understand? <laughs> that's I don't need either. Who's that other one, that lunatic, Alex Jones? Jones. He's another one. He's oh, another you one. don't like Alex Jones. Either. I mean, there's three things. <laughs> All right, here's the three worst things of 2015. Oh, here the we I go. The yeah. iWatch, absolutely bad. <laughs> Alex Jones, absolutely bad. And Drudge, absolutely bad. The three worst things that came out in 2015. There you have it, right from me. <laughs> I'm serious. Those are the three worst things that came out of 2015. I can deal with the rest of it. I can deal with the terrorism and all, but get rid of that freaking iWatch. Get rid of Alex Jones and all of his conspiracy lunacy and all the crazy people who follow him. And and, and God forbid, get rid of that drudge. Man, I'm tired of hearing it. (laughs) Anyways, outloudamerica.com. If you look up there, we have great stories there. No conspiracies here, folks. I don't play in that conspiracy world. You know, there's enough lunatics out there. Come to somebody who has got some common sense, make you laugh. That's me. Anyways, I got some commentators up there. Colonel Jim Warshuk, uh, author Diane Marshall, Iron Man Kelly Murphy, uh, Therese Tapone, George McClellan. I got Fabulous, fabulous contributors, national contributors on the site, best-selling authors, military leaders, people who get it, who write for the site. And we're not right, we're not extremists to the right. We're not extremists to the left. This is where we have a real conversation, Jiggy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's very all. much so. So you go look there every week. I do the weekly radio awards. I've been doing those with you, right, Jim? Yep. Yep. We've been we do so, we've been doing them a lot this year. We love it. We go there. The weekly radio awards are right there. I don't think I did the last one with you. Uh, the world's wealthiest pledged billions. We got to do that next time we come on, bud. Yes, uh, we will definitely um, do that. We'll probably Shabani, ha- heck we can Shabani, do that next Monday if you want to. Yeah, Shabani Yogurt's on there. He did some pretty cool things. They they put a lot of money in to help the refugees and other things. But anyways, Out Loud America, great site. I, I'm really proud of the work there. But you know, with everything I've done. The site I'm really, really thrilled about, Jiggy, and I'm so excited about this. And let me tell you, I have 
left no stone unturned over the last, I don't know, six months in making this happen, getting ready for 2016, brinkofgreatness.com. You check it out, my friends, brinkofgreatness.com. And, Jiggy, you've heard me talk brink thinking for how many years? Oh, good Lord. It, it seems like decades. You, you, you pretty much brought that to the mainstream. Yeah, I did. That's it's, it's a federal trademark. It's my invention. And um, I know you and I started talking about this when you were going through puberty. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, anyways, you check out brinkofgreatness.com. What I like about this site, Jake, is simple. I, for one, am tired. And when I say I'm tired, I am really tired of all the bad news out there. Okay, I am sick of it. I am tired of turning on all these nut jobs on all the media journals. I'm talking about the far right, the far left, and all the lunatics in between, kids, okay? You know, there's a lot of good news out there, Jiggy. I could I could spend the next few hours talking to you about good news um, because I got a ton of it. And I put a ton of it on brink of greatness. The human spirit knows no bounds. I've left no stone unturned on this site. And this site celebrates what's right with, 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 uh, with mankind, uh, and womankind. We've got great stories on here. And I've got life lessons. In addition to all the people I celebrate, which is the main core of this site, I've got life lessons and tools on the, on the navigation bar. And I just started a new radio program coming out in January, which I even haven't, haven't had a chance to tell you, Jig. This is real life radio. Wow. I know. I haven't. And by the way, I, guess what? I want to have my friend, and, and I do use the word friend because you are a friend, Jiggy Jaguar. <laughs> I want to have you on this, bud. How's that? Hey, that would be perfect. And, 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 and another guy you need and to And most have on radio there people is... I don't invite because most of the, most of the radio people I don't invite, or most all of them, because most of them stink. But I like you, bud. <laughs> need to get IQ on there, too. That would be uh, IQ Al Rizzoli. We need to get... Yeah, I know. Tell him that. Tell him I want to have him on. Will you do that for me when you have yes, him on here? Yes, I will mention that to uh, him when we have him on the him, next tell hour. Tell him to email me. Give him my email, speakup at malcolmoutloud.com. Don't give him a shut up now. Give him speakup at <laughs> speak malcolmoutloud. Don't say email Malcolm at shut up. Because that one works. That one works. It does. You send that to me if you want to try to – if you've got something bad to say to me, send it to shut up at malcolmoutloud.com. I read those when I'm constipated. Those when I read those. And I go, that helps me go to the bathroom. That's right. But other than that, speak up at malcolmoutloud.com is where you'll find me there, bro. But anyways, I want to have you on this new production. And uh, But listen, I do not want to have Alex Jones on, and I do not want to have um, uh, that other Drudge. doofus. Uh, who's the other doofus I Drudge. said? Matt Drudge. Drudge. I don't want him on. And I don't want the iWatch on either. Those are the three bad things of 2015. There's my predictions, Jiggy, of 2015. And, you know, next time when we have time, I'll tell you what's going to happen in 2016. How's that? We will do that next Monday, my friend. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Well, Malcolm, uh, good luck with everything, and we will talk to you next Monday in your regular time slot. And uh, thank you for doing this, my friend. I really appreciate hey, the conversation. It is, it is my pleasure to be with you. But how long is IQ on for, by the way? IQ is going to be for he's going to be on in about uh, two hours. He usually is on for about 45 minutes or so. 
And how yeah. long is he on for? About 45 minutes. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk to him 45 to 50 minutes. He'll be on for about 45 minutes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Good. Now, did you give anybody else, else an hour or was it just me because I'm special? Well, the, you're the only one we've talked to solo. Everybody else has had one or two people that have to, uh, share the time. So, uh, you, you are all by yourself because oh, I knew you, you could There's handle an hour. <laughs> Jiggy, I want to wish you a happy, happy new year. Okay. Definitely. I, I echo those sentiments, my friend. Uh, God bless you. You keep doing it, buddy. You keep doing it out there. You know, you're like that energizer rabbit. You just keep going and going and going and going. Sometimes (laughs) you'd like to take that rabbit and shut it the hell up, but you never can because it's an important part of your life. You know? And that's exactly who you are. You're that same guy. You just keep going and going and going and going. And Happy New Year, everybody. God bless. Thank you, Malcolm. Have yourself a wonderful day, my friend. All right, bud. Appreciate it. Malcolm out loud with us today. He joins us live, and uh, we are going to take a timeout. It is going to be hour number two coming up. And in hour number two, we will talk to uh, Donald Mazzella, Dan Perkins, and John Matthews. Yes, those three will be with us here in a few moments. We'll be talking about some of the issues and different things. So that's coming up here on our world-famous Cheeky Chaguar radio program. Welcome to the world-famous Cheeky Chaguar radio program, broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Call Cheeky right now, 267-22-Cheeky. Presenting Cheeky Chaguar. Oh, it's a festive, festive uh, broadcast today. Two minutes after the top of our third hour here on the world-famous Chiggy Chegwa radio broadcast. Thanks for tuning in to the big program from the KJAG Radio Studios in Hutchinson, Kansas, where live as live can get. Monday through Friday, 2 to 5 Central, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific, and 1 to 4 Mountain Standard. And, of course, 24-7 at JiggyJaguar.com on the TuneIn apps and radio loyalty. Our brand-new Android app is available JiggyJaguar.us. Selected editions will appear on the iHeartRadio app. This edition will appear on the iHeartRadio app. And, of course, 50-plus AM FM stations throughout the country and around the world. And today we've got our good friend Donald Mazzella from SB Digest. He is uh, patiently awaiting us. We also have my good friend John Matthews. And, of course, uh, John is no stranger to the political world. And uh, he hosts a uh, five-day-a-week uh, radio talk program online and on a lot of good AM FM stations across the fruited plain, as Rush would say. And uh, we are patiently awaiting Dan Perkins from TheHill.com. He'll be joining us as well here in a few moments. But uh, first of all, John, I want to I want to have you uh, kind of tell us a little bit about what you've been covering on uh, on your radio program the last the last couple weeks, Conservative Syndicate, and uh, then we'll let uh, we'll we'll just bat some top around so john go, go ahead and take it take off my friend well i i, I think with us uh, because of the style of our show and what we do we we have a tendency to what i call exhaust a topic we'll take a <laughs> topic or two and just and just take them as far as we can go for as long as we can go trying to to get out all the information that we can on it because as you know the media gives us you know the 30 second sound bites and the sitcom mentality that you know, within a couple of minutes, everything is solved. Crisis and then solved, you know, and everybody goes their own happy way. We've been focusing a lot 
on the GOP's what we refer to as the splitter strategy, and we we started actually talking about this in depth several months ago, and we've just been updating as it goes along, and we've been spending a lot of time with that because we really have kind of come to the conclusion that uh, everything that's going on in the GOP primary race right now is, is just smoke and mirrors. This thing is going to end up as a brokered convention next year, and they're going to get whoever it is they want in there, regardless of whether Trump wins or Cruz wins or any, anybody but, you know, Bush or uh Kasich and, and, or Lindsey Graham for that matter. They, they want those establishment types in there. So that's what we've been doing. We've been doing, spending a lot of time educating our listeners on what the splitter strategy is, uh, what they need to look for, and of course how they can become more involved in making sure that the RNC understands well and good that if they do this they're going to lose a lot more Republicans. Uh, just It's just the numbers of Republicans that are bailing out of the parties are not phenomenal. So um, that that's really been our focus a lot. We've, we've really been trying to just get the point across to people, make them understand. The RNC is basically, as I've constantly referred to them now, they're jackasses and elephant skins. These people, there is absolutely no difference between them and the Democrat Party anymore. And, uh, that that is, John, you hit it right on the head. That's what I keep hearing. I I, I heard an interview uh, just uh, just earlier today. Uh, it was uh, it was a representative of the of the Green Party. She was on the Young Turks, and she said that there is no difference <laughs> between the Republicans and the Democrats at this point. She goes, the Democrats are not real progressives, and she's like, the the Republicans are not real conservatives, and and she's like, there is no difference. Um, speaking of folks who are leaving the party, Don, I want to get your thoughts on, uh, and and I'll, I'll let John jump in here too. This, uh, the, it's kind of a, a a story that's picking up some momentum, but uh, uh, Reverend Graham is no longer a uh, member of the Republican Party. He is leaving the party. He's becoming a uh, libertarian. Um, the Graham family has been staunch. Uh, Republicans for decades. What do you make of this whole thing? Well, it's another sign of the times, in my view. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're seeing the breakup. We're seeing a realignment of the party, something we haven't seen. Uh, Someone mentioned it today, and I think we haven't seen this since pre-Civil War days, 1850s, um, when the Republican Party came in. We are seeing a real fragmentation of the traditional two-party system. Um, and I, I, I don't know whether it's good or bad, but I think it's a fact of life. And if we don't recognize it and don't do something about it, we're going to have a real fragmented country by the time we finish uh, the presidential cycle next year. Um, uh, I thought the, the most interesting thing that came up this this uh, weekend, in the last couple of days, is finally uh, uh, Robert Trump's kind of saying what everybody has thought, that uh, Hillary Clinton is a liar. Uh, she's lied throughout her career, and I think he, somebody has finally called her out on it, and I don't think she's going to like it. Um, I think it's, uh, it's indicative. I think it's the first time, and I think you're going to see a lot more people saying it. And also, uh, we were talking to Dan last night, and he asked me to check it out. And uh, she had to have a bathroom break in the middle of a national debate. 
<laughs> yeah, that looks real shady. That's a very interesting point, and I'll still stick by my prediction. She will not be the, uh, the nominee. I still hold with that. Now, now, John, there there is a lot um, a lot surrounding this 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 Graham. I guess, defection, if you want to use that term, although it sounds really nasty to use that term. Um, what, what, what do you make of this with, with him and his family have been Republicans, they have vised Republican presidents, they, 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 they have been in the, the, the White House. Um, it took a heck of a lot, I'm sure, for him to say, okay, I'm done. Um, well, a I, lot of the stories I, say I, it's Planned Parenthood, but I think it's other things, too. Well, I, I think my initial reaction is what took him so long. Uh, <laughs> well, that, too. <laughs> I, I pulled out of the Republican Party I pulled out of the Republican Party two years ago uh, just, just because I saw what was coming down the pipe there. And uh, I, I bought into the, the, uh, the moderate narrative for quite a while that, hey, we can retake the Republican Party back and... You know, we just got to get the right people in there. But I think history has shown us now two election cycles. Um, you know, they, they're, they're, there's double. It's a double-sided coin for me. One side of it is is that um, the fact that you know everybody knows that we need to clean house in Congress. We need to get some some real conservatives in there. But yet everybody keeps voting the same idiots in time and time again. So it's it's kind of like Einstein's theory of insanity. You know, you, you're going to keep doing the same thing and you expect something different. So <laughs> in that regard, I, I believe I put most of the blame and, and will continue to do so until I feel otherwise on the shoulders of the electorate itself. Uh, it's not that these politicians are inept or corrupt or immoral. That, that goes without saying. It's that we keep putting them in there. And that, that's what has to change. So there has to be a paradigm shift back to the constitutional basis on which we were established. Now, the individual comes first, and the responsibility of the individual is paramount in, in our decisions and who we elect and how they, they serve us in government. So uh, the fact that Franklin has pulled out of the party, I believe Mark Levin pulled out of the party this year also. Not so too. It, it just, it's just indicative of the fact that people are slowly waking up, and the question now becomes is, are we seeing this soon enough to be able to reverse this trend. Um, one, I have a very close friend who has described the situation to me in this manner. He said what the Republican Party today is, or even the conservative movement within the Republican Party, is that we're, we're pedaling upstream and we can hear the sound of the waterfall. And it's kind of like, are we going to be able to you know, make it upstream or are we just going to eventually go over the side of the waterfall? And I think more than anything at this point, this is our this is the crossroad. This election next year is going to determine whether we have any hope of uh, restoring our republic or whether we just con- continue to go down that, you know, trying to paddle upstream and just end up going over the falls. Because it, it's very obvious that there's many people, you know, the, the fact that Franklin Graham is saying, okay, well, I can't relate to the Republican Party anymore, and as an evangelical Christian, he has to kind of stand up for it. I find the same uh, the same paradox over the Democrats. There's Dan. Hold on just a second. We're going to see if we can uh, connect him here and see if this will see if this will work. Dan, can you I, hear me? I, I can. I I tried it a dozen times. Well, well, what, what we're gonna I I I'm gonna I I I'm trying. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> something on the fly here. Um, I, okay. I'm going to see um, Don. Uh, what 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 we we wrap up there with John's point. What what do you make of John's point there on Franklin Graham and why did it take him so long? He's right there. There's a lot of people right now that are making a decision to leave the Republican Party. As by the way, we're focusing on that, but there's also a lot of people who are thinking of leaving the Democratic Party. Well, and that was something I was going to follow up with, but but go ahead, Don. I want to I want to get more. I want to get that out of the way, and then I'll follow up with a point that I had that I was going to make there. But go go, Don. No, because as I say, um, if you start to look at the numbers and the, uh, the people and the voting patterns, yeah, uh, from the last uh, election, there are many many people right now who uh, agree. Um, that there's something wrong in Washington. They have yes. views as to how to solve it, uh, obviously. But, but the, an- the answer is going to be that this election, if someone can hold the center, uh, not the right and not the left, uh, will come out the winner. I, I think that the, the election is going to be far different than we think it's going to be uh, uh, in, t- in terms of Who's nominated and who gets elected? Yeah. And I, I think uh, yes, people are leaving the party, but but until we come up with a better system uh, uh, at the state and local level, we're still going to have uh, a two-party system. But I think it's going to be severely realigned uh, at, at the finish of this 16 election. Now, uh, now, Dan, did you get any of any of Don's uh, I, I, response I there? I, I heard it. I heard everything. All of his pearls of wisdom. <laughs> all um, of his pearls of wisdom. Well, what we've been talking about uh, in in this in this first segment here was um, this whole thing with folks leaving the party, and we were talking about Franklin Graham and the fact that. Uh, a lot of the news reports say that he's leaving because of the Planned Parenthood situation, but I think it's just because he's he's much like I was about a year ago. Uh, we've got our guest today, John Matthews, about two years ago. Uh, guys like Mark Levin, who are like, I, I see where we're headed, and I'm done. So what what, what do you make of, of all this with Franklin Graham basically saying, I'm becoming a libertarian, I'm done with the Republicans? Well, I, I think um, I think that to say that he's late is is probably too being too critical. Um, religious leaders uh, typically try not typically not always. Uh, Jerry Falwell was one who was involved with politics, but they tend to try and stay within their own space. Uh, well, I think that I think that. Uh, Franklin is is right in doing that. Where where I would somewhat disagree with my partner, uh, Mr. Mazzella, is that I think the passage of the omnibus bill was literally the straw that broke the camel's back, and the and the outrage of the conservative Republicans at the leadership who could sell them down the creek and fund Planned Parenthood and fund the. Uh, the, uh, the the city's program and immigration and everything the president wanted 
uh, I think that that's going to go back in, when we look back in history, that will be the seminal moment that basically uh, changed the Republican Party or killed the Republican Party, one or the other. Uh, I, I think it was such a terrible piece of legislation. We were lied to by both the Republicans and the Democrats that what happened before was never going to happen again. And there's a 2,100-page document dropped in the middle of the night with a vote the next day. Yeah, I mean, these are the things that supposedly that the, the, our leadership, Mr. Ryan and other people, told us was not going to be business as usual. And it turned out to be exactly business as usual. And, and I, I think I heard a wonderful piece of commentary today about Trump. The problem that the Republican leadership and the Democratic leadership is having with Mr. Trump is that he's drawing from every possible sector, Democrat, Republican, independent, women, minorities, Hispanics. He's building a base. And there was a report today that indicated that the polling data that the networks have been providing are purposely understating Trump's strength. And I just think that that when these when these senators and congressmen get home, and uh, the people have a chance to talk to them during the Christmas break, first of all, they'll listen to the constituency. Are they going to do anything? No. And the fact that they're not going to do anything is going to be the end of not the Republican Party only, but the Democratic Party too. Because I think that this idea that uh, they have an opportunity uh, to do something different. They didn't do it. And and we gave them, you know, in baseball, three strikes, you're out. We gave them the House, <laughs> yes. we gave them the Senate, and we may give them the president, but it's going to be under different terms. So I think that what we're seeing is a manifestation of the Trump factor, that because somebody stood up against the establishment, stood up against the leadership of both parties, stood up against the media. Uh, and that's probably the biggest change. As Don and I had talked uh, a few days ago, what was yeah. uh, what were some of the most important events of the year, uh, which you want to do next week on your show. Definitely. Um, yeah. we, talked about, we talked about oil, but we also talked about Trump, is that he changed the paradigm. You know, and, and I heard this, this, this anecdote, which I thought was hysterical. Okay, Trump's at 41%. Yes. When he gets to 55% of the voter population, he's probably a problem for us. <laughs> when he gets to 55%, he's a problem. <laughs> and I'm saying, that's really true. There are people, people here who, who don't understand, still, to this day, yeah, I mean, I've been talking about this Trump Trump phenomenon on your show from the very beginning. It's just oh, people, yes. The leadership in Congress, and I, I wrote this piece, you might remember, Jim, about the mirrored wall around Washington, D.C., so when yes, the congressmen and senators come out of the Congress and look over the, gra the, the vast lands of America, what they see is a reflection of themselves as the people. Yes. They're not seeing <laughs> what the people are doing. And I, I, I think that it's a situation where we truly have a significant number of people who've had it with the way this government is being run. 
And whether it's Democrat or Republican, I, I suspect there could be a massive, massive change in the election next year. We've got... Uh, you, you, I'm sure you're... Oh yeah, I'm. We and and this 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 is the thing, and I and I'm. I uh, we, we've got Dan Perkins with us today from the Hill dot com. We've got uh, Donald Mazzella, SB Digest, and we have our special guest today, my good friend, Mr. John Matthews, who hosts the uh, the Conservative Syndicate. Check out their website, theconservativesyndicate.net. Real conservative talk from real conservatives. And uh, John, uh, follow up there on Dan's point and uh, give it, give us your thoughts on, on what you're hearing today. Well, I think, you know, uh, one of the things that was mentioned earlier, uh, we uh, mentioned on both sides of this conversation, is the fact that we have Republicans bailing out of the RNC and we've got Democrats bailing out of the DNC. Yep. And uh, the, big, the, the, big, the big argument that's going on in the, in the establishment world, whether it's the establishment on the Democrats or the establishment on the Republican side, is that, uh, you know, this, this will destroy our political system and everything else. And I think that's bunk because I think if we go back and remember, uh, it was Abraham Lincoln who started the Republican Party, and it was because both parties were in favor of slavery. And he was anti-slavery, and he said, no, we've got to do something to stop this. So, you know, the idea that we cannot uh, merge into some type of party uh, where, we can, where we can get back to the place where the people we elect, we can trust them to do what we've elected to do is, is a possibility. The other downside of that is that it's because of these shifts of these two parties and their inability, their unwillingness to do what they've been elected to do has created such a volatile political division. I don't know that we'll ever have a solid majority anymore. We could end up very European style having six or seven different parties and, and maybe what we've got to do is have an election and then that whoever gets elected has to put together a a government, you know, like they do over in uh, uh, some of these other countries over in Europe. I'm not, I'm not sure where it's going. I do know this. Um, regardless of whether we're able to get back to to some of the Republican uh, fundamentalism that that made this country what it is, uh, we'll never be the same again. I, I I don't see this as ever returning to you know the the good old days. Uh, we're, we're moving in a different direction. Um, I think eventually we'll have to just for sheer sake of numbers somehow shift more towards a european type government which really sends trembles down my leg i mean i'm like that's the worst thing that could happen but i'm not so sure that it's not inevitable because uh, as i said earlier because of the ignorance of the average american voter today who doesn't want to get off their butt and do anything and they don't want to find out what's going on and they want somebody to tell them what to do and where to go so the basic fundamentalism that makes America exceptional, and that is the willingness to take personal responsibility for one's actions, and then based on that, uh, a moral foundation which we elect people that, that adhere to what we want based on our own morality. That That's the yeah. essence to me, is the moral fiber of this country is just deteriorated terribly, and uh, that's why you have... I, I, I do want real quick say one thing. The fact yeah. that Franklin Graham is going to the libertarian stance, I don't know that that's even very smart. But, uh, um, you know, because some of their social views on, on the libertarian side are very liberal. Well, and see, that's... Kind of 
you're, you, you hit on something there. That there was, there was a, a gentleman who, uh, I got to be really good friends with last year. He ran for Kansas governor, Keen Umber. He was, uh, he was a Republican who became a libertarian. And he was running on the libertarian ticket, but, there was a lot of libertarian things that he's like, yeah, I don't really agree with him on that. Well, one of the big things was marijuana. He was just like, no, uh, we're not making it legal. No, we're not taxing it. No. And yeah, he had a little bit of problems with some of the staunch libertarians. But in the end, uh, he... He had a strong third place behind the Democrat and the Republican, and it was based upon that the Republican, Sam Brownback, the Republicans didn't like him, the Democrats didn't like him, but the Democrats didn't really like Paul Davis, who was running, because he never took a stance on anything, and it basically came down to Brownback and Umber, who mostly got most of the votes, so yeah, you're right, it's it's an odd deal that... Franklin Graham would go to the Libertarians because the Libertarians have some odd views. But um, Don, kind of kind of follow up there on what John was saying. He's absolutely right. Uh, uh, I happen to not like the uh, European parliamentary. It leads to more division than uh, uh, it does to unification. Uh, yeah. I, but I will say, I don't necessarily say it's bad that we have a realignment of the parties. I just think that the, we will have a, a period when, when, when that happens, when uh, we're all going to be in a state of flux, and we're going to see some, some demagogues appear, and we're going to be into a period of uh, unstable political world at a time when we need some stability in order to deal with an outside threat. Uh, that, to me, is, is the worst part of all of this. We're going to be fighting amongst each other at a time, <clears throat> when a time when we should be working together to, to fight what I think is a, a very dangerous uh, foe. Um, uh, Lincoln put the part, brought the party together at a time of national, uh, 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 national unease and, and but in the end, he, uh, he was a great leader. My question is, do we have amongst this crowd of people that are leading us today, people of the quality of an Abraham Lincoln? And I'm, I'm afraid the answer is no, we don't. Um, that is my worry. But he is right, and uh, Dan's right. I think you're going to see some major changes in... Um, uh, in American politics by the close of this election. Now, Dan, uh, to kind of follow up there on, on John's point and uh, and uh, Mazella's point, do uh, you, you have anything to add before we move on to our next topic here? Oh, I do. I, do. I, I, would, like to, I would love to hear what John and, and my friend Don have to say to the idea that, in fact, uh, Trump will separate from the Republican Party and run as an independent, and he'll win as an independent. John, that that could be interesting. Wait, 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 let me finish. Okay, yeah. You can't take any other, you can't take any other previous independent run into consideration, because what you heard from both of these gentlemen, we are in dramatically different times. 
And looking at the base that Mr. Trump has, looking at how dejected many Republicans are and Democrats are, a new independent Liberty Party, third party, uh, could be the downfall of both the Democrats and Republicans. But it might be, might be a wake-up call to the leadership of the Democratic and Republican Party, especially if Trump wins as a liberty, not a libertarian, but a liberty party independent candidate. If he does that, I'm not saying he will, but if he does that, that may be the emphasis to get the other people to say, wait a minute, we're in serious trouble here. I'd love to hear their two comments. John, jump in there. Well, I, I think this. Uh, let, let me start out by saying first, I, my definition of a libertarian, first of all, is uh, somebody who worships the individual, whereas a progressive is somebody who worships the collective. And so what you have here is two, two parties or two uh, ideologies that uh, battle against God. And, and they're both against God, and they both claim to be God-fearing. So in, in light of that, uh, Trump going third party and going independent, I think that will only happen, and I think it's a very strong possibility that will happen if what I said at the beginning of the show here, uh, the RNC decides that they don't like a Trump or Cruz victory, and they decide to broker a convention and force uh, put somebody like Marco Rubio in there or something like that. If that happens, the, the Republican Party has committed suicide. And they may do it because I don't believe that the Republican Party really wants the White House. They're they're happy where they're at right now. They each get to run for re-election. Like I said, the electorate continues to vote for them. They have their power. They have their title. They have their lobbyists. They're 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 all fat, dumb, and happy. And to put a conservative in the White House means they'd actually have to govern instead of just caving. So I, I'm not so sure that the Republican leadership for the Republican Party even wants to win the White House. So. I think I think they would kill their own uh, just just to maintain their own personal uh, positions of power. That that's how I'm seeing things. I, and that may be very uh, pessimistic and very you know very negative, but uh, that's what I see. Because what other for what other reason could these people just completely abandon the Republican platform and just continue to tell us all we need is the majorities, all we need is majorities. You give them the majorities, and they can't still can't do anything. So it, 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 it just tells me they don't really want to govern. They just want their jobs. And, and that, that's how I see it. Don. So, so, John, can I ask you, before we get to Don, just, can I do yeah. a follow-up with John? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. John, John, do you think that, that one of the offshoots could be an Article 5 convention? Oh, I, I think it goes. I think it's well beyond that. I think it's a probability. I, I, I think I don't that we'll have see the RNC. That we'll have a. You believe we'll have an Article Five convention? I, I don't. I, I don't see the RNC in any way, shape, or form accepting a Donald Trump or Ted Cruz or Ben Carson nomination yep. come next June. I just yep. don't see it. They're not going to do it. They're not going to allow it. So whatever, whether it be an Article 5 or whether they just broker the convention, uh, the splitter strategy that we've talked about has been designed for that purpose. Uh, the, the, the setup of the, the primaries, the change in the rules, Rule 40 of the RNC, delegate uh, uh, assignment and stuff like that, all these things are pointing to the fact 
that, you know, they've now said, okay, in order to win the primary uh, in Super Tuesday, you've got to take a majority of the eight of 15 states in the primary. Well, if nobody takes the majority, then those delegates become null and void. Now, after Super Tuesday, what do you do? You get out there, now it's winner take all. And the plan was to have Bush with the most money left and be able to outlast everybody and be able to pull it off that way. But he's not going anywhere. Jeb Bush's history, everybody knows it but him. So it's now it's like, okay, if the RNC sets their sights on getting Rubio up there because he's Bush point 3.0 and say, you know, he's got better look, he's, he's more calm, he's, you know, he, looks, he looks a little less uh, moderate, that kind of thing. Then I think the broker convention is the way the Republican Party will go, and not because they want a, Dem- a Republican candidate, because they'd rather lose and win. I think that's what Jeb Bush meant when he said, I'd rather lose the primary to win the general election. He wasn't talking about him winning the general election. He was talking about the Republican Party not having to govern from the White House. That, that's, my, that's how I see it. I know that's kind of a weird way of looking at it, but I just that's the way that's the pattern I see forming. We've we've got Dan Perkins with us today, also Donald Mazzella and uh, John. Uh, go ahead, Don, jump in there, my friend. I didn't mean to step on you. No, that's a very very interesting scenario. It's not the first time I've heard it, and it, uh, if you uh, if you read uh, some of the books leading up to the. Um, uh, the Civil War. I hate to bring it. Uh, if you don't learn from history, you're, you're doomed, doomed to repeat it. it. I say that all the time on this program. Go ahead. And, uh, you know, you're, 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 uh, it seems to me that we're, we're reaching a, a point, much as in the, uh, the period of uh, 1850 to 1860, where, where people are really dissatisfied. You're really showing a dissatisfaction. I know Dan's been very dissatisfied over the years that we've been doing this program <laughs> at the Republican Party and at the nation as a whole. And you're all, we're all pitting our hopes on the Republican Party. We're, in effect, abandoning the Democratic Party and saying it, in effect, has only people in it who really do not... Um, uh, have the best interest of the, of the United States at heart. Uh, and we're saying if the Republicans don't do it, then the Democrats won't. And, and that's assigning its role to the Democratic Party, and I'm not prepared to, to give at this point. And I'd like you to address that point. How you think, do you think the Democratic Party is beyond redemption? Are you asking me? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. Um, I think he's asking both of us, John. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, you, you, you broke up on my end just a little bit there. You're asking me, what I'm do sorry. I think about the Democrat well, Party? My point is, we're all saying that it's the Republican Party that has to save the country. What was the, are we saving it from the Democratic Party? Or who are we saving it from? Well, I, I think the, the idea when people like us talk about saving the country, we're talking about restoring it back to its republicanism. Uh, at, at the basis of that or the foundation of that is a return to uh, federalism, state sovereignty over central government. And, and that, you know, that's the best of all worlds. We go back to 
uh, a country designed on the fact that the state decide what to do and the government protects our borders and stays the hell out of our business otherwise. Uh, I don't see us ever going back to that. It, it's just, it's just, I just don't see it that way because of the fact that so much of the country has bought into the dependence on government and thinks that the government should be involved. We got 50% of the people in this country think it's okay, you know, to, to, to have the government tell them what to do. So we'll never get back to that. Now, is the Republican Party the answer to save America? At this point, I'd say no, they're just as destructive as the Democrats. I, uh, what has to happen, in my opinion, is simply this. And, and what we really need is another revolution, for lack of a better phrase. And I'm not talking about bearing arms and overthrowing the government or anything else. We need a, a, an intellectual revolution where people get so fed up that they finally say, wait a minute, let me find out exactly what's going on here. And then people get so, so when they realize what's happening, well, they're telling me they're making my life better, but they're actually not. Then what you have is that voter revolution where the voters now are able to go to the polls and remove all the Democrats and all the Republicans, and maybe we get independents, maybe we get libertarians, but at least we get new faces with new ideas. And, and when somehow we start reversing this trend of everybody just throwing their hands up and going, oh, well, government sucks and politics sucks and, and religion sucks and, and, you know, it's all bad and, and I just want to be left alone. Uh, we got to get people out of that, and the only way to do it, I feel, perhaps, is we've got to hit the bottom. We've got to hit the bottom of the pit for people to wake up and realize everything the government's telling you is a lie in terms of what they're trying to accomplish. They're not trying to accomplish anything but securing their own jobs, and it's not about constituencies anymore. These people are going to go back on Christmas break, and they're going to nod their head, and they're going to listen to the people, and they're going to say, yeah, we're doing all we can, and Paul Ryan's a great speaker, and all this other stuff, and they're kind of right back on New Year's after New Year's and do the same thing over again. So it, it, until that changes, until the attitude of the people changes to such degree that they say, okay, enough is enough, throw them all out. You know, we hear that phrase out there, throw them all out. Until something like that happens, I don't know. We we can you know we can keep the battle going, but I don't know how much longer before it's just like you and I are just pushed out of the realm of uh, existence, one way or the other. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's John, the, I the short the, answer would be. I don't think at this point either party is going to save the country. Dan, jump in there. John, the thing that I I I I John, the thing that I worry about what you said is that. We have a situation where the government is taking care of almost 50% of the people in this country. We've got 94.5 million Americans either unemployed or underemployed. They just reduced the GDP to 2%. And I'm not sure the dependency class will ever stand up and change their tune. And I'm not sure, quite honestly, that the other half, which is paying for the other half, has enough courage to stand up and to try and begin to do something about it. I, 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 I just... I, so my conclusion, John, is the only thing that's going to unify the people is an out of my first book, a nuclear attack on the United States or a major depression. 
I would agree. I would agree. I would say this. I it's got to be something catastrophic. And I'm looking at it in terms of uh, we've been talking for quite a while on our show about the fact that uh, I believe that one of the things the leftists would really love at this point is just uh, another civil war. I, they would love a race war. It would just it would put so many things into place for them and give them so much. It would basically you know let's suspend the Constitution and give the president carte blanche and let him do what he wants to do. So I, I think, but I I do believe that. Uh, the way you get to an American, a real American, is you hit them in the wallet. And when the wallet gets empty, when, when the real Americans are out there, the ones that are working, the ones that are hoping that everything is going to change without them, when their wallet becomes so sparse that they say, wait a minute, where's all my money? And then they don it dawns on them, oh, it's those guys in Washington. That's where you're going to see some type of revolution come down the line. I don't think it's going to be voluntary. I think it'll be mandatory. It'll be survival, not patriotism. I agree with you there. Good point. Yeah, absolutely. We, that, that's what how far away from that are we, John? I'm sorry? How far away from that are we, John? I, I, you're breaking up, guys. Uh, he, he's, he was wanting to know how, how far away are we from this. Oh, I don't know. I think after the next election, we'll know pretty plainly where we're going. Uh, it, it could be within the next election cycle. After the next one, depends on who wins. You know, I uh, uh, just how quickly. I think it's heading that way. I just don't. Depends on who sits in the White House as to how far it happens. I, I think it's inevitable. I couldn't give you a time frame. I, I'd say obviously within the next election cycle. Uh, if you get a Democrat in there and you got you got Obama 3.0, it's going to progress much faster than a Republican who will take things more slowly but head in the same direction. Okay, you take a break, Jim. We're 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 commercial free today. We've got uh, Dan Perkins with us today from oh, the from the Hill dot com. We have uh, John Matthews today from the Conservative Syndicate, and we have Donald Mazzella from SB Digest. Forty two minutes after the hour, and uh, Don, uh, you, you you were saying something before, before we catch you off. Jump in there, Don. Um, no, I just uh, uh, he, he, again. I love this program because it always brings out. Differing views. And, um, yes. I will, I will tell you one thing. I'm going to start listening to your program because you really have some interesting things to say. Um, but uh, let me ask you the question. Um, do you honestly believe that enough people will get ex uh, excited about this coming election to make a difference, or do you think it's an election after this? Well, I, I I don't know if excited would be the right word. <laughs> um, <laughs> Angry, <laughs> pissed off, mad as hell. Uh, <laughs> something yeah, like yeah. that, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I do see it this way, and, and I'll be very, very straightforward with how I see things. Um, when I look at the source of the problem, as I've said several times already on this show, it is not the Republican Party, it's not the Democrat Party, it's not the leadership, it's the uh, ignorance of the, the American electorate that has allowed this to progress, because we haven't wanted to take the time, we've quit vetting our candidates, we've quit listening to them, 
we've quit identifying whether they really line up with us or not. And, and I think, as, as uh, one of you mentioned earlier, the fact that uh, we become such a dependent society on the government is like, who wants to bite the hand that feeds them? Um, my, if you want to say my my pet my pet peeve with America right now, is the uh, evangelical Christian uh, demographic, and that is that they stay home at elections. I firmly believe that if the evangelical really who tells me the evangelical Christian that tells me they're a Christian and votes as a Christian, and if everybody you know if we just got another 300 to 400 million of these people to vote. We could change a lot in a very short period of time. Now, the question comes as to whether or not that's going to happen, and a lot of that is because a lot of the church, a lot of the Christian church, has become just as liberal as uh, as the liberals. And, you know, when you've got people out there, and I name names, I'm one of these guys. You've got people like Rick Warren and Joe Osteen and J.D. Uh, J.D. J., uh, T.D. What is it? T.D. Jakes. People like this with these large mega churches who have taken the gospel message of Jesus Christ and turned it into a prosperity message. And so everybody joins it like they join Amway. You know, I'm, I'm going to make a million bucks because I worship God, that kind of thing, instead of understanding that God looks at the moral character of a nation. We were established on the biblical principles of God and uh, endowed by our creators, our declaration says. And now it's always been the emphasis of the individual saying, I'm accountable to God first and everybody else second, and so therefore my choices. I want people that I elect in office to be the same way. Now, if that happens, then it could happen. We could turn this thing around in a very short period of time. If it does not happen, if people do the same thing with Trump that they did with Mitt Romney and say, well, I'm not going to vote because he's a Mormon, I'm not going to vote for Trump because he's not really a Presbyterian uh, or whatever, then they're going to stay home. And that's really the strategy of the left. It's not, not so much to win the election by getting their voters out, it's to win the election by keeping Republicans and conservatives home. If that happens, it's going to be very quick. I think within the next election cycle, by the time we get to 2020, it's going to be over. If we're able to stop it and say, okay, let's get out there. If, if evangelicals get up off their butts and say, okay, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do and get out there and vote for a candidate that is going to represent what I claim to be, then we could possibly stop this for another few cycles. We might even be able to reverse it. I mean, it's not it's not irreparable at this point. But one more one more election cycle with Democrats being able to influence and control the narrative, we're done. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. That 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 that's how I see it. Very articulate in your views. Thank you. Well, see, this, if I can, let me just interject here. See, this is why the conservatives aren't winning, because there's nobody that can articulate this message to such a point where we can get out there and say, this is what we believe, this is why we believe it, and this is what history shows us that if we don't do where we're going. And nobody wants to do that at, at the level out there. Uh, there's some people that want to do it. But then the media shuts them down, and they can't get it out there. So, uh, But it's people like us that are affecting the people in our audiences, and we're out here telling people, look, this is what it is. Wake up. If you don't do it, then you get what you deserve. You know, it's that simple. We get what we deserve. We have what we have earned by not doing what we're supposed to be doing. It's not the politicians. We have put those politicians in office unless we remove them we're signing our own death warrant. So I appreciate the compliment. 
Well, I, I, there's some very positive aspects to, to what I call Trumpism. Uh, he has changed the conversation. He is changing the narrative. He has taken his, absolutely taken control of the narrative. And, and that is very good. Now, what do I see in, in him in terms of uh, a solid leader? I think as a business person, somebody that's revolving, you know, working with the economy, I think it would be just great. As far as the moral fiber of the country, I don't see it. And here's the man that tells me he's a Presbyterian. Well, Hillary Clinton tells me she's a Methodist. Nancy Pelosi tells me she's a Catholic. They all believe in abortion. So, I mean, how, how do you how do you reconcile that? So, as far as the moral fiber, I don't give Trump too many points. As far as somebody who has identified the problem, somebody who I think could turn the economy around, if he can get the cooperation of the Republican Congress to do it, there's, there's a big F. Um, so I, I think that Trump has brought something to this conversation, not since Perot. But whether that can equate into actually getting the country going in the right direction, I don't know, because Congress doesn't really want to go in the right direction. They want to continue doing what they're doing, both sides. And, and that is the challenge. We, the people, have to be the ones that go out there and say, okay, enough is enough. All of you get out, go home, let's get some, let's get statesmen back in there, not the professional politicians, not the attorneys, not the lawyers. Let's get people that will leave their private sector job for one or two terms, go do their job and go home. Then what, then, then we'll get back to what we're supposed to be. The only problem is... Well, John, you're suggesting that, that term limit is one of the well, and see, that's uh, term limits. Uh, you're, you're, you're suggesting, uh, from what Dan was saying, you're suggesting term limits here, or term limits oh, work. Without is a doubt. Without a doubt. No more than two terms in anything. I, I, in fact, I, think, I, I don't think senators... I would like to see the 17th Amendment abolished. I would like to see the Senate re-chosen uh, by state legislators rather than elected by popular vote. I'd like to see term limits of no more than... Uh, I think we should extend the presidency to six years, no, and no more than one, uh, two terms in six years. But I think everybody else should be Senate one term in six years, House two terms of four years, uh, two two years each, and then they need to get out of there because that's about the time it takes one to get corrupted. Yes, yes. So, John, John, let me ask you. Let me let me follow up. Go 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 ahead, um, Dan. Go ahead. Clearly, Dan. Clearly, the the Obama administration, um, the 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 cumulative impact of gross domestic product in the Obama administration is equal to three quarters of one year of the Chinese economy. Three quarters of one year, the cumulative GDP under his administration. As I said earlier, we've got. Ninety-four and a half million people, either who have run out of unemployment benefits, given up looking for work, or are working part time, and are barely able to sustain themselves. You said a few moments ago that you thought that Trump may be able to bring this economy around, get it growing again. And I am setting aside the moral issue. Not that I'm, I'm ignoring it. I'm just trying to focus on one thing. 
if Mr. Trump, as a businessman, has the ability to turn this economy around, where we put millions and at least give an opportunity to millions upon millions, if not tens of millions of people, to get a job and to be responsible for themselves, then as a first step, wouldn't that cause a significant, begin to cause a significant change in the value proposition that people see in the United States and the role of their own independence versus dependency upon the government? Oh, I would agree with that. I, I, I can't discount that at all. I, I think if Trump is able to pull this off and get the economy heading back in the direction it should be, uh, his picture will be hung right next to Reagan. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, I, I, I always look at these things two-sided. I look at the, the economic faction uh, of it, and then I look at the moral faction of it. And it, you've got to have that balance. We've, we've got to have, um, in my opinion, to restore the economic uh, stability of this country and to leave the moral fabric of it undone. You're just, you're just delaying something. You're not, you're not actually fixing it. You're just putting a Band-Aid on it. Everybody will be happy for a while. And, and then, you know, that human, human nature kicks in, and sooner or later it, it'll reverse itself again because you have no way of sustaining the moral fiber, the personal responsibility and accountability that gets people up in the morning to go out and to, to do their job and to take care of their families and to raise DC kids and, and all the other things. So um, it, would be, it would be one or the other. You've got to have them. There's got to be a mix, and I think Trump could get us going good in one direction. I just don't see him as a very moral person, and, and that's just my opinion. I, he might be. I, he just hasn't presented himself to me in a way that I I see that. Whereas I see also okay, but, somebody but, like a Ted but, Cruz. But my, my follow-up point, John, is that yeah. if if you change the dependency class. And you begin to give people jobs where they can have a sense of pride and accomplishment. Mm -hmm. They're going to be in more involved with their children, and so the the, the problems that we're having with with uh, the the young people in this country, the incredibly high unemployment rate, and the dis, the, the dysfunctional families uh, are primarily because we've had a welfare state that the government will take care of you. And so I I believe that there is a part and parcel of a work ethic creates a moral ethic. And I believe that if we can put people to work, we give them a sense of pride, a sense of value, <clears throat> the moral can come with it. It won't be as fast, but we can be we can break the back of the of the immoral dependency of the dependent class on the government to provide for them. And if we can create tens of thousands hundreds of thousands, millions of jobs where we can begin to give people a sense of personal pride. You know, I, th I think, John, if you look at the people that are unemployed, not the hardcore unemployed, but the people who've been employed as a result of this recession, I think by and large they want to work. But they have to depend upon the government to take care of them. And as a father of four... I understand what it means to be able to provide for your wife and for your children. There's a certain sense of pride and accomplishment. And if you can't do that and you have to depend upon the government 
to feed your children because you can't, then your life changes, your role as a, a head of a household, as a father and a husband, change dramatically to the point that you no longer care because you have no vested interest because you're not doing anything for them. It's going to be a huge job put millions of people back to work, but I believe that the economy will begin to change the dependency class, and if we can change the dependency class, we can begin to change the moral fiber of this country. Well, I, I, I don't I don't disagree with your theory, and I certainly hope you're you're absolutely right. What I'm what your question was is whether Donald the way I read it was is Donald Trump the person to do that? I I, I do not believe that Donald Trump is the person to leave uh, to lead any type of moral restoration. Now, whether the job situation he creates the jobs and that in turn generates that that return back to morality. Hey, I'm all for it. You know, I, great. I hope it happens. You know, and and, you, and there's a lot of validity in what you're saying. I just don't know that he would be the person that I would choose to spearhead that. You know, that that's what I'm getting at. It, it's not that it can't happen, and I certainly hope it does. I'm just not so sure. I I, I won't. We won't know um, really until next year what direction this country is going to go, or how fast it's going to continue its, its death spiral, or is it going to reverse it? We won't know. We'll know the day after, because uh, once these people, you're going to see uh, Hillary Clinton, if she wins, she's going to reveal herself for she, who she is. If Bernie Sanders wins, you already know where he wants to go. Uh, on the Republican side, right. uh, it's still kind of a crapshoot <laughs> to what's going to happen. So, um, uh, you know, I, I certainly agree with your, your, your precepts, and I, I certainly hope you're right. I, I, I really do. I, it would not bother me if I was if you let me put it that way. Yeah, John, if you look at the, the, the Democratic candidates and the Republican candidates, and if you said I, wa- I had to pick one guy or one woman out of the candidates in both parties who is most likely going to re- lead a resurgence in America as, an, as a nation of people who work, who have a self-pride, and, and are taking care of their families, is there anybody else... Anybody on that on that list of possible candidates that you think could do that? Well, at this point in time, I I put all my all my chips on uh, Ted Cruz. He, he is to me the most articulate, the most intelligent, the most committed, the most uh, he, he's he's the one that vets the best out of everybody. He's more consistent. His actions are more consistent with what he says than everybody else that I've seen so far. Um, I like him uh, just as a person. Uh, you know, I have the Christian bias. I, um, I've met his father. I know his father. I, 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 they're good people. So I would go with that. Um, in terms of, uh, I, I like Rick Santorum and I like Mike Huckabee. I just don't think they have the capacity to, to lead. They're not leaders in my mind. They're just they're, they're good support mechanisms, but they're not the people I'd want out there running the show. So at this point in time, that's my man. I'd have to go with Jake Cruz. It, it would just easy. And how would you feel about Cruz ticket? Yeah, uh, how, I, I, that you know, that I think I, could be very interesting, John. A Trump Cruz yeah, ticket. Yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely look at that and say I could handle a. I could handle personally, just me. I could handle a Cruz Trump ticket. I don't know that I'd be really excited about a Trump Cruz ticket. But I can certainly handle a cruise Trump ticket. <laughs> so uh, 
Good. You know, I, there, there are things about Trump I really like. I like his audacity. I like his, his tenacity. He does not back down. He, you know, I, I love that. That's everything you want in a politician. I'm just not so sure he's got all the moral makings of somebody that I'd want leading the show. But I'd certainly vote for him if he wins. If he wins the primary, he's got my vote. There, there's no doubt about that. Well, we're going to wrap up the uh, program today. I want to thank Donald Mazzella from SB Digest and uh, also John Matthews today, Conservative Syndicate, and uh, our good friend, Mr. Dan Perkins. Before we let everybody go, uh, we'll start with Don. Any any final comments today? And uh, also uh, mention where people can pick up the book and, and all that. Don, are you still there? There you are. <laughs> Definitely. You know, hashtag um, 2SB Digest, DonMazzello.com, and Merry Christmas to everybody. Definitely. And Dan, uh, any 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 final comments and uh, and plugs? Get them in there, my friend. Well, I, I, I just think that I said to you, the, the passing of the omnibus bill is the straw that broke the camel's back. And I think a lot of Americans are going to be very very disappointed, and and their congressmen and senators are going to hear about it. Whether or not they do anything about it is a different story. Yeah. But I, I I would I just thought it was a, a, a piece of trash, and uh, and it wasn't good for the country. Um, the book is uh, the Brotherhood of the Red Now. You can get information on it. You can buy it on Amazon, or you can get information on it on my website danperkins.guru. And the foundation is Songs and Stories for Soldiers. And it's still not too late to give a, a soldier the ability to sleep through the night by making a contribution to songs and stories for soldiers. Definitely. And also, as Mr. Mazzola said, have a wonderful Christmas, and we'll look for doing business with you after the first of the year, Jim. Definitely. I'm looking forward to it. John, before we let you go, my friend, uh, once again, your insight is invaluable, and I definitely want to have you back uh, to do this again and also uh, to make some regular appearances in the new year. But uh, go ahead and give us some plugs there, my friend, so everybody can check you out. Well, yeah, anything you want to know about our show is uh, you just go to our website, theconservativesyndicate.net. Uh, we have all our panel members there. We've got five or six people that we contrib- that contribute uh, all week long. We, we, we believe in informing, educating, informing, and engaging our audience. And so we're, we're out there every day, and we just, like I said, we like to exhaust our topics. So if you go to theconservativesyndicate.net, and uh, we're looking forward to another year here. We're very happy this year to go from 10,000 listeners a month to uh, we finished the year breaking a million. So we're, uh, we're, we're glad that the message is getting out there, the people are hearing it, and uh, let's hope it equates into doing something. So just go to theconservativesyndicate.net. I wish you all a good Christmas, a great Christmas, a great 2016. Let's hope that something happens that will turn this around. Definitely. Well, uh, gentlemen, I appreciate it, and uh, we will talk to you guys in the new year. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, John. And uh, as always, thank you, Don. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it, gentlemen. Yes, sir. Take care. Bye. We are going to uh, take a time out and uh, come back with more here in a few. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Call Jiggy 
presenting Piggy Jaguar. Welcome to hour number three of the World Famous Piggy Jaguar radio program. Having all sorts of fun today. Six minutes after the top of our hour here in uh, hour number three, uh, we've got IQI Rizzoli and Donald Mazzella with us today. And uh, I, I, I feel bad because I, I, sent, I, I, I didn't get a chance to send Don the email. Uh, Mark Davis was supposed to be in. Mark Davis didn't call. Uh, IQ called me. I'm like, I gotta get Dawn. And it was just, it was panic. But, uh, I, I appreciate Dawn for, for stepping in today. Before we get to their conversation today, and we're also gonna talk about the debates from last night, uh, let's tell you about our great new sponsor here on our broadcast. It is a fantastic Indiegogo campaign. Check out Indiegogo.com slash projects slash overhead Hashtag. That's right. It's a great Indiegogo campaign. Overhead is a short horror film to be made by this great new filmmaker and experienced indie filmmakers. When complete, this will screen at the Castro Theater in San Francisco for the Scary Cow Film Festival. Check it out today on Indiegogo.com. I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O.com. Search Overhead. That's right. O-V-E-R-H-E-A-D. It's a great new horror film to be produced very soon with your help and your donations. And tell them you heard about it here, Transmedia Worldwide. We've got Donna Mazzella and, of course, IQ Al Rizzoli. And uh, uh, later on this week, we're going to be taping a uh, special edition with IQ, Donna Mazzella, and Dan Perkins. But uh, today, IQ's regular slot that he's in. And um, Don yesterday, IQ, by the way, you're going you're gonna to be really proud of this. Uh, yesterday, Don referenced several things that you've said in the past, and has said, you know, IQ was right about a bunch of this. So, uh, good to know that you're rubbing off on people, IQ. Thank God. How are you doing? <laughs> Very good. You, uh, IQ? Fantastic. Fantastic to have you around with James. It's always a pleasure. Well, I know that there was a lot of folks in our audience, especially that uh, when when Don was going through uh, going through his medical issues, they uh, they emailed, they called, they they tweeted, they uh, they were really concerned, and I'm I'm glad that Don is is still with us. So uh, so so thank Lord the uh, the medical industry uh, helped save Mr. Mazzella. But Don, I want to start with you today on on this whole thing. What did you think of the debates last night? And then I'll let IQ jump in there. The debates were Hello. quite entertaining. Don, are you still with us? You want me to jump in? I'm sorry. I lost the last part. Uh, the debates. Tell me about the debates. Your thoughts on last night's debate. Uh, well, I, I thought, um, again, uh, the media, uh, it's very interesting. Uh, when I went around and talked to people today, a lot of people uh, said Monday that the media loses some of the... Uh, the interchange and some of the good ideas that are brought out by sometimes the minority the candidates who are not leading the, the race uh, uh, my feeling was that some good ideas came up and um, when we finally settle on, a pres- on presidential candidates I think that's going to be the second most important thing we discuss in the presidential election after the economy you know we're all talking about the terrorists but the economy is the real issue, and people are, you, you know what they're saying today, um, I saw uh, they're saying uh, keeping the unemployment rate down, 
<laughs> but now they add the caveat, but not including the people who stopped looking for a job. And they represent, depending on who you talk to, 8 to 14 million people. And that's a lot of people not looking for jobs in this society. And we have an unemployment rate now, that depending on what, who you listen to, between 6 and 7%. And that's going to be the issue. Uh, and what they talked about last night was terrorism. And uh, the, the idiots out in uh, Los, Los Angeles who shut down the schools based on one uh, bogus email. And But I will tell you one thing. ISIS is succeeding in its role of terrorizing the American public. And I was wondering what IQ thought about that. Yeah, I felt disgusted. And you know what? It couldn't have happened to a better people. The very liberal anti-gun West Coast mentality. They deserve what they got. But they're cowards. They're real cowards, for God's sake. 900,000 people were put out of work or study because one email. You know, I always compare this. Americans don't realize. Israel, for 67 years, from the day they were born in 1948 until today, have been under threat of death of destruction every single day, 24-7, for 67 years. They never shut a single city down or their economy. And they never declared martial law. One single attack in France, they declared martial law in both France and Belgium. Unbelievable. But the tragedy is this. All these years, the Europeans and the Americans looked at Israel as if they deserved it. Literally, as if they deserved what they're getting. Now, it is Europe and America who will understand what it means to be terrorized. And it is about time for you guys to learn from Israel how to cope with it. The Israelis have coped with it. It's amazing. It's an amazing situation where you can go in the street and some Muslim can come out and take a knife and kill you. And yet they have to cope with it. You know, the psychology, the incredible ability to be able to survive, and not only to survive, to succeed. Israel outproduces in every field of knowledge the totality of the Muslim world of 1,500 million in 57 Muslim majority states, 100 to 1. This is remarkable. I'm not saying it because I'm taking sides, ladies and gentlemen. I'm saying it because this is the truth. So you shut down a whole state for one email. So if the ISIS send you an email once a week, my God, what will happen to America? It will collapse within itself. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot destroy ISIS with guns only. You cannot destroy it from the air, never. You have to put boots on the ground. And to solve this problem of ISIS, Obama Well, you know, now President uh, Obama admits that he's now, he has to grovel to put in, apologize, and let the Russians come in also. This is a global war, ladies and gentlemen. ISIS is not the enemy of America only, or of Israel only, of Christians only. ISIS represents Islam, and Donald Trump is the only man with a backbone and the intelligence in all of the people that I have been listening to, and I listened to them yesterday. What I like is that he and Cruz didn't uh, shout at each other, didn't curse each other. Let the others fight each other. Donald Trump, all he said 
we have to stop Muslims coming to America until we resolve the problem that we have today within Islam, of Islam. He didn't say anything racist. Islam is not a bloody race. So let's get this straight. And anyone who calls me a racist, I say, yes, I'm a proud racist, and so are you. Because every human being on the planet has been, is, and will forever be a racist. Why? Because we always hate something, whether rational or irrational, irrelevant. You might not like somebody because of color, of belief, of political belief, or religious belief, or some kind of inclination. All this is, goes under the title racism. We are all racists. So I'm proud, I'm 100% racist. When it comes to Islam, I am 100% racist. In the sense, I know they want me dead, or they want me to submit. I also know I will never allow them to do that. So, we must stop Islam from coming to Europe. We must stop Muslims from coming to America until we resolve the problem. Europeans have a problem within, the, within Europe. You know, they used to say the barbarians are at the gate. They are not at the gate anymore. The barbarians are in America. The barbarians are in Europe. Solve the problem. Back to you, sir. We've got Don Mazzella with us today, also IQ Rizzoli. Now, uh, now, Don, what, what, what did you think of uh, Chris Christie's comment last night and then Rand Paul follow, following up with, well, if you want your World War III candidate, he's right here. Well, you know, uh, Chris Christie has a um, bad way, some people will say, of t- telling the truth and, and people not liking what he's saying. But in this case, I think he's... Uh, uh, said said a mouthful, and I, I won't say whether he's right or wrong, but I will say he said a mouthful, and he certainly got us thinking. And the fact that he's uh, uh, doing so well in New Hampshire tells you that even in uh, in, in states uh, in the east, he's saying things that people want to hear. Uh, the critical thing I think that's going on here is we're saying the, in the Republican primary we're saying a lot of things that have been left unsaid for so many years. And I think it's a good sense of fresh air coming from us. Um, I, I myself am waiting on that one. I think he maybe went a little far, but not far enough. And I think it's going to help him in New Hampshire, where I think he's going to pull out up and out an upset uh, there and uh, actually come out, if not on top, second in New Hampshire, and then he's going to put the race in uh, in a little bit of a turmoil. I think he will be the vice presidential candidate because he's just the type of bulldog the Republicans need to argue with uh, uh, the, the, the liberal press and the media and to get the message across. The message uh, has to be uh, much stronger than it's been in the past. It's much more anti-democratic party than it should than it's been in the past what do you think iq i agree with you but i mean the only person who is doing the doing the shaking up is trump he has shaken the whole of the american uh, political system because he's telling the truth he's the only one telling the truth i don't care that he's not telling it the way it should be politically correct i don't want him to be politically correct i want him to call a spade a spade I want to call those Muslims, those black 
who speak about white racism to shut them up. There is no such thing as white racism. The white racist disappeared 150 years ago. Today, it is blacks who are racist. Why? 70% of all blacks killed are killed by blacks, not by white people. Most w women who are black are raped by black, not by white people. Fine? So let's get these figures correct. Second of all, when it comes to Islam, call a spade a spade. Islam is the enemy of every human being on the planet who is not a Muslim. This is clear. This is Sharia. So if, well, I, I tell you what, I would love to become an advisor to uh, Trump. And believe it or not, some of my supporters in the United States of America have already approached his, uh, his uh, organization. I would love to. I will be a great help to him. Because we are facing uh, gang rape against him by all the li so-called liberal media. They are clueless. Every single one of Trump's detractors has never read Muhammad's Quran. Because if they had read it, they would support him to the hilt. It is impossible. It is inconceivable for any decent human being with two brain cells of logic, having read the first nine chapters, not 114 chapters of the Quran, the first nine chapters of the Quran, to come any conclusion opposite to mine or to Donald Trump. And what happened? You had the so-called Prince uh, Walid bin Talal from uh, Saudi Arabia saying outrageous. Outrageous? About stopping Muslims? Well, let me ask Walid bin Talal. How many refugees did he take? Not one. There are 57 Muslim majority states. 54 of them didn't take a single refugee. Although the refugees are Muslim. Another one. Has any one of these states, or would any of these states allow Christian and Jewish refugees to come in? Not a single one of them. Not a single one of them. And yet, they leave the media who are complicit, I've always said, the greatest enemy of Europeans and the greatest enemy of Americans uh, is the news media. They never tell you the truth. They never tell you the truth. They never ask the right question. Even World Blitzer doesn't ask the right question. The Muslims always claim they are victims. Throughout 1,400 years of history, Muslims were never victims starting with Muhammad, who claimed he was a victim. He was not a victim. They were always the aggressors, starting with Muhammad. All I want is for some imam, somebody from CARE, maybe Hillary Clinton will debate me. I would love that. Oh, you're never going to get anything from Hillary Clinton. <laughs> she's, too, uh, she's not going to listen to you, IQ, nor come over to your side of the question. She's got too much invested on the other side. The one, thing Donald, the one thing Donald Trump has going for, for him is the fact that he has nothing uh, invested from his past. Except, you know, it's very interesting. I was uh, with somebody today who comes from South Jersey where uh, Trump had his casinos. And, you know, uh, the point is, Trump, Atlantic County in New Jersey which is a heavily Republican county, um, uh, uh, will, will not vote for, for Trump because 
screwing too many people while he was uh, at his casinos. He left a lot of bills unpaid and told the uh, uh, people to, uh, uh, you know, to sue him. He had a, a lot of lawyers that retained him. And uh, that's, uh, the fact is he would not be able to carry New Jersey uh, as, as a state. But even though he is saying a lot of, of what a lot of white um, and the middle class of New Jersey people think, um, you're also right about the, uh, right about the, uh, uh, the blacks and the blacks. You're saying that 70 percent. Uh, I've heard the figure is closer to 90 percent of black deaths are caused by. I didn't want to use 90 percent. They call me a racist. <laughs> Yeah. No, it doesn't well, matter. But the figures speak for themselves. I don't need to be a genius. The figures speak for themselves. By the way, Donald Trump is losing a lot of financial uh, clout. The Arabs are against him now. His investments in the Muslim world are in danger. So really, he is sacrificing a lot. Be believe it or not, he is sacrificing more than you can possibly imagine. He is, honestly. And not because I love him or anything, no. But he is he's sacrificing. But he is telling the truth. Protect the border. Create business. Create jobs. You said it a few minutes ago. The most important thing is the economy. The, literally, the most you are you're going over the precipice. Maybe next year, America will be in default. $20 trillion. How are you going to pay the interest on $20 trillion? And for how long? You tell me. Well... I just saw it across my desk. The New Deal adds 500 billion to the national debt Thank to you. keep our economy, uh, our government open. The, the, the new changes, uh, uh, 500 billion over the uh, the budget, which is a drop in the bucket to the trillions that were already owed. But it's still telling us that we still haven't gotten the fiscal responsibility. Uh, it, and, you want, and you want for as long as you have the Obama and his uh, group. I mean, if Hillary Clinton takes over, it will be another four years of Obama. The same. The same crap, the same stupidity, the same criminality. Same. The most criminal organization in the history of the United States of America has been Obama's administration. And every time he puts somebody uh, taking care of the legal system, it's got to be a black person. Why a black person? Why not a Hispanic? Why not a Jew? Why not somebody else? A black person. And the only thing she speaks, oh, we must not threaten Muslims. We must not speak. No, you should speak about Islam. Why? Because every single mosque in every state in the Union, every single week, speak and incite their followers to hate non-American, non-Muslim Americans. They're very simple. It's not complicated. This is Sharia. You can't change it. Somebody said to me, but you can moderate. You can't moderate it. Why? Because according to Islam, the Quran is a perfect book. Well, a perfect book means you can't add to it a dot or remove from it a dot because you make it imperfect. So you can't retranslate Sharia. You can't change it. There are, no, there are no moderate Muslims, by the way. What they call moderate Muslims, they are actually the stealth jihadi Muslims, the taqiyya Muslims. In Islam, 
there are two groups. Because the Quran says you've got to go to jihad. And there are two types of jihadis. The war jihadi and the stealth jihadi. The war jihadis are the ones who commit mass murder, who blow up planes, who commit suicide with bombs. These are the war jihadis. But for the war jihadis to succeed, they need intelligence. They need shelter. They need money. They need support. Who's supporting them? The moderate Muslims, because they are the stealth jihad. Does that make sense to you, Don? Actually, you won't get an argument from me anymore. I'm on your side. <laughs> no, 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 argument. Does it make sense to you? I mean, it's so important. If it makes sense to you, I'm, I'm happy because there would be other people who would make sense to It is not complicated. Jihad is mandated in the Quran. Every Muslim must be a jihadi. But the media says, yeah, but they're not all killers. I agree with you. They're not all mass murderers. They're not all we are war jihadis. But the remaining, the so-called moderate Muslims, who do not exist actually, are the stealth jihadi Muslims. They are the ones who support the mass murderers. That's what it is. It's not complicated. Again, I say, is there a Muslim listening? Is there an imam listening? Can any of you come against me, debate me, prove me wrong? Please do. That's it. It's not complicated. This is it. This is Islam. We can't change it. They can't change it. I always said the first and foremost victims of Islam are Muslims. And because they are the victims, they victimize us. Please, please remember, dear Americans, Islam is the enemy of every human being on the planet who is not a Muslim. That is 80% of humanity currently who are these, they call them infidels, kuffar, uh, or unbelievers, kafirun. Who are they? All Christians, all Buddhists, Hindus, Jews, atheists, agnostics, anybody who is not a Muslim. So we are at total war, not with them. They, are, they started it. Muhammad started this war called Jihad. 1400 years ago, 60, in 622 AD to be exact. He declared total war against all human beings who do not believe in him as Rasulullah, means the messenger of Allah, and in his God called Allah. By the way, Allah, I repeat again, is not God. Allah is not the same as the God of the Bible. Allah is not the same as the God of Jesus, Moses, and Abraham. Full stop. Very simple. Well, but don't. It's well, true. you know, it's true. This is the beauty of what I do. I call it a beauty. Is because I can't have anybody come against me and prove me wrong. Nobody has tried in 30 years. Nobody, not in writing, and not in radio or in television or anything. Never. Because I know the subject inside out. Arabic is my mother tongue. I come from Iraq. So when people ask me, did America do right in Iraq? Yes, America did right to remove Saddam Hussein. The only thing they made wrong, which was unheard of, is to disband, to disband the Iraqi army. It was a decision that even an idiot should not have done it. 
400,000 men were disbanded and not paid a penny. When you have 400,000 men, they have families, they have wives, they have children, they have fathers, they have mothers, and you don't pay them? What do you expect them to do? Play the bagpipes? They are the ones who completed ISIS. They are the ones who support ISIS. They are the ones who run ISIS. It was not a mistake invading Iraq and removing Saddam Hussein. It was the greatest mistake removing the Iraqi army. America did not do it under MacArthur in Japan. America did not do it when they invaded Nazi Germany. They still had the Wehrmacht because they had to control the borders. They did a big mistake, a tragic mistake, which cost the United States $4 trillion and 5,000 people dead. I hope it makes sense to you. Now, you know, let's talk about something, um, IQ. Uh, I always le learned so much from you, but now, we have here in America, the, the black people say the police are uh, somehow or other murdering them. Yet most of the cities that we're talking about are have been controlled by democratic machines for up to 40 years. Why have these machines gone out after the uh, Muslims like they have gone after the blacks? Look, the black people find it easier to blame the white people that they are slaves. But what I want to discuss with any black man, where are those white people who are slave owners? They died 150 years ago. The white people that we have today in America have nothing to do with racism. They have nothing to do with the slavery. And when I want to discuss it, let's say, with Louis Farrakhan, the head of the uh, Nation of Islam, a piece of garbage who doesn't even know his history, who brought your people, your grandparents and grandmothers, to America? Who brought them? It was white slavers. But who sold them to the white slavers? Nobody asked the question. Who sold them to the white slavers? Because the white slavers didn't go into Africa. The white slavers stayed on their ships on the west coast of Africa. It was the black Muslims and the Arab Muslims who slaughtered subjugated, humiliated, and raped 140 million blacks so that 14 million of them would be sold to the Americans. By the way, only 5% of the 14 million ended up in what we call today the United States of America. These figures are correct. These figures are available for anybody who wants to study them. But the way Farrakhan, Farrakhan would rather say, ah, oh, it's the fault of the Christians, it's the fault of the Jews. Really? Those Jews and Christians have created Western civilization, while those Muslims destroyed every civilization. And I don't want to hear any piece of telling me, what about Islamic science? Islamic, what Islamic science? Which Islamic scientist? Show me an Islamic scientist. Give me one. They were only under Islam. They were not Islam. They were not Muslims. Many of the greatest authorities or scientists who ex existed in the first 700 years of Muhammadan Islam were not religious, they were secular. And even in their lifetime, the Muslims of their time said about them that they are 
murtadin, that means they are not followers of Islam. So please, tell me, what has Islam provided to us? Then they tell you, the zero, the zero never came from Islam. It was always from India. All the sciences, all the mathematics started with Greece. Philosophy with Greece. Astronomy with Greece, with India, with China. The Arabs only copied and added to it. That's all they did. But for 700 years, the last 700 years, name 10 Muslims who have contributed anything to the advancement and or betterment of humanity in any field of human endeavor among 2,000 million Muslims. Name them. You know it can't be done? Ten, you can't. And all Muslims, 1,500 million, 20% of humanity contributed. 0.2% of Nobel Prize winners. And 98.98% by Christians, Jews, and others. So who is superior? I'm not talking about racial grouping. I'm talking about contribution. Islam cannot contribute. Because under Sharia, the only thing you study is Quran and Sunnah. That's all. You know something, Don? They will always tell you, yes, but the Quran says, Ilm. Yes, Ilm means knowledge. But Ilm in the Quran, the way Muhammad wrote it, said, it's knowledge of Islam, knowledge of the Quran, knowledge of the Hadith, knowledge of the Sunnah, not knowledge of physics and chemistry and mathematics. Have you ever heard of an orchestra conducted anywhere in, in the world which is Islamic? Please tell me. One single orchestra no. in 57 Muslim majority states, 1,500 million people? None. Did you know that today as we speak, 40, 40 million Chinese are learning to play the piano? Whose figures come from? America, from China. 40 million children are learning to play the piano, which under uh, that destitute uh, Mao Zedong, it was considered as capitalist. The best ballerinas today, the, oh, sorry, the best ballet dancing in the world is coming from China. Unbelievable. Whatever the West gave to China, China is doing it even better. But Islam cannot do that. Because in Islam, you can't dance. You are forbidden to dance. You are forbidden to sing. You are forbidden to play musical instruments. You are forbidden this. You are forbidden drinking. You are forbidden uh, uh, gambling. You are forbidden having consensual sex. You are forbidden playing chess. Can you believe that? You are forbidden to play chess. You are forbidden to, uh, to recite poetry. So what's left? How could Muslims excel in anything. That's why they don't excel in anything. The best thing they are good at is improvised explosive devices. That's it. Anybody listening from CARE, C-A-I-R, Council of American Islamic Relations? Come on, have God, the, please, have the backbone to debate me, please. Can't be done. You know, I don't even I know them by heart. I know it by heart. I don't even have to read a script or anything. I don't need anything. Back to you. Let me ask you a question, IQ. What, yes. what, what do you think about Saudi Arabia letting women vote? 
and hold on. <laughs> it took you 1,400 years? By the way, it's meaningless. It's really meaningless. They let them vote, but you don't know how they're rigged, do you? Voting in the Middle East is... Look, in America, the latest electronic uh, devices used, I was told in the last election, they were rigged to support the, the Democratic Party. So if in America you can have them rigged, what can you expect in a Muslim country, please? But it's a step in the right direction. It took 1,400 years. Good God, it's forbidden in Islam for a woman to be equal to a man. In Islam, all females in Islam, 750 million of them, by the way, as I'm speaking to you, 750 million of them are treated like domestic animals. They have very little rights. And 120 million of them suffered genital mutilation. Female genital mutilation. We are talking about colossal numbers. And this piece of garbage called Hillary Clinton speaks about women's rights in Islam. Good God. She went to Mecca when she was Secretary of State to discuss his rights and female rights. And, and she wants to be elected president? Good God. If you elect her president, America is finished. You can elect it, a donkey is better for you, I swear. If you elect a donkey is better than Hillary Clinton. I'm, I'm, I'm pining for Trump. Trump is shaking the whole of the political tree. He's rude. He can be uncivil, uncivil, but I prefer him than all of the others who are pretending to be civil, but are clueless. Our enemy today, the enemy of humanity, is Muslims, or are Muslims. Not Islam, Muslims. Why do I say Muslim? Because as I said, every Muslim can be one of two. Either a jihadi Muslim or a stealth jihadi Muslim. Either a war jihadi Muslim or a stealth jihadi Muslim. They cannot be otherwise. It is forbidden in the Quran. Again, I say to anybody who doesn't believe me, read the first nine chapters of the Quran. Google the Quran. Don't buy it. Don't waste your money. Google it. There are 114 chapters. Don't bother. Read the first nine chapters. Take it two and a half hours maximum. And I'll tell you what. When you read the first nine chapters, you will know that everything I say to you is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Only nine chapters, ladies well, and gentlemen. Let me ask you. Well, let me ask you. Uh, that may be, but, but how could this woman, Sam Bernardino, be so radicalized as to do what she did? Don't. Don't ever use words radicalized. With all your respect, I love you as a friend. I swear to you. I mean it. Never use radicalized because that shows ignorance. She is a Muslim. Every Muslim is radical. Every Muslim is extremist. Every Muslim is militant. But in reality, there are no shades in Islam. Who said so? Erdogan of Turkey said so. Who, are, who said so? Did you ever hear of a radical Nazi, a radical communist, or an extremist Nazi or communist? or a militant Nazi or communist, or even a moderate Nazi or communist? The answer is no. Why all of a sudden we have shades in Islam? She wasn't radicalized. 
All she did, she read the Quran more perfectly than the other people. That's it. That's what she did. By the way, every single person who goes to a mosque is a potential terrorist. Every single one of them. They can turn on a dime. So it's not radicalized. This is the bullcrap word used by the media to mislead the American people into believing there are people who are Muslim, who are moderate. They are not moderate. If they are moderate, they are stealth jihadi Muslims. That's all there is to it. All I want is somebody to, to debate me, to prove me wrong, for goodness sake. You know, I always tell my, after every lecture I give in private, I say to the students, don't take my word for it. Not because I'm lying to you guys. I want you to double check me. I want you to triple check me. Find fault and then come against me. In 30 years, I haven't had anybody do that. And this is not an exaggeration, this is a fact. So please, never talk about radical initiatives. She is not radicalized. They were preparing for it for months. The FBI failed. Homeland Security failed. All of them failed. And they are failing as we speak today. This was only a, you know, a, a starter. You will get a main course sooner or later. I'm not being negative. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm telling you, you Americans are going to get worse than 9-11. You will get it. And in, in, in Europe, it's exactly the same thing. What happened in Paris, this is only the starter. You wait and see. I'm not looking forward to it, but I'm warning you. Get armed. By the way, in Sweden, all the guns are sold out. Did you know that? Does the news media tell you that? Every shotgun, every spray gun, anything that can be for self-defense is bought out. Same thing in Austria. The same thing in France. Wherever they can get it, they're buying it. Look at what's happening. There's going to be a civil war. There's no question. It's got to be. Not because I want it, not because I say so, it is inevitable, because two or three more acts of terror and the European people will remove their governments and bring in what so-called right-wing ones. You will see. True. At the moment, I don't know why the electorate in France changed their mind on the second round with Marine Le Pen. I know that the news media scared the shit out of them, excuse my language, but they shouldn't have done that. Because the criminals are the ones who are running the show today. All Marine Le Pen said of the National Front, we don't want any more Muslims. And the Muslims who are here have got to either integrate or leave. She knows they can't integrate. She knows that. I know that. And anybody listening to me should know that. Muslims cannot ever integrate or assimilate. Look at what's happening in Minnesota. You have hundreds of thousands of, or tens of thousands, I was told hundreds of thousands, of uh, Somalis. By the way, they are the ones who are going to ISIS in the Middle East. They will never integrate. They will never assimilate. And they will undermine you. Yeah, I'm talking about Americans. Again, wait and see. This is not scary tactics, ladies and gentlemen. I'm only a warner. I'm telling you what's going to happen, not because I'm foreseeing the future, never. I'm telling you what's going to happen based on knowledge. 
the four horsemen of the apocalypse, for those who are still Christians in America. In Revelations, there are four horsemen of the apocalypse, which is the war, starvation, pestilence, and death. But there are four horsemen of the apocalypse of Islam. The Muslims don't know about it. I know about it. And I call them knowledge, 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 and knowledge. Because the greatest nightmare of Muslims is knowledge of the Quran. So read the Quran, ladies and gentlemen. Two and a half hours maximum, first nine chapters. You'll never regret it, and you'll thank me. Because it will wake you up. It will shock you into reality. Nobody will ever again be able to trick you, or cheat you, or deceive you into thinking that Islam is a religion, or Islam is peaceful. Because calling Islam a religion or peaceful are two of the most egregious lies that have ever been insinuated into the human consciousness. Again, anyone disagreeing with me, please call in. Back to you, sir. We've got Don Mazzella with us today. We've also got IQ Al Rizzoli. And um, Don, it, it seems that uh, IQ is, is hitting on points that, uh, that, that, that you've talked about on so many occasions and, uh, and everything. Uh, do you have anything for IQ? We've got about 15 minutes left to go here on our program. Well, what I was going to say was I agree with IQ that uh, we will, here in the United States, suffer some two or three incidents over the next uh, uh, six months. I think that the ISIS will uh, keep up pressure on us, and unfortunately we'll have more uh, things like uh, Los Angeles closing schools based on a single email. Uh, what I uh, am concerned about is, uh, you said you Americans. IQ, I always thought you were an American too. But is that I not am the more case? American than Americans. I'll tell you why. I believe in the American Constitution. I love America. I love Americans, but not I'm a citizen. I'm not a citizen. If I were a citizen today, I would be one of the top. I would be leading better than uh, Trump. I won't be elected, but I would be telling the truth all the time. I would like to be the advisor for Trump. I will make him invincible, literally invincible, when it comes to Islam and those who are detracting him. Each and every single one of them who attacked him is either a liar, a hypocrite, or stupid. Each and every one. And I don't care what position they hold. And this is a fact. Not because Trump is anything of a special human being, no. But he is the one who's shaking the system. We have an elitist system. All these senators and governors, they've been in power for 20, 30 years. This is too long. It corrupts everybody. You know, supreme power, total power corrupts totally. You have to remove them. There must be a term limit how many years a senator can stay, or how many years a congressman can stay, beyond which they cannot. It's not like you can't have more than two terms for the president. I agree with that. Because the longer you have them in, the worse they become. There's no question about that. Throughout history is the case. They should be limited. You should change the rules. They should not have 20, 30 years of governance and in power. Forget it. 
No, I'm American, 100% guaranteed American. But I'm not a citizen. Oh, I just want to make that clear. You, you know, I you appreciate it. You American. I'm glad you mentioned it. I am a constitutionalist. I love the Constitution. I study the Constitution as much as I can. And I know more about it than 98% of Americans. And it's not an exaggeration. Did you know in the year 1952 you have rules and regulations of immigrants? Immigrants do not have the right to come to America. It's not in the Constitution. Only Americans are allowed to come in and out of America. Immigrants have no rights whatsoever. None. It is up to Congress. It's up to the people of America to decide who comes in and who doesn't come in. This is the Constitution. And anybody who tells you otherwise is a liar. Look at it. Look at 1952. It's there. It's in the Constitution. Well, the, the only thing that the Constitution says is that the president must be a native-born. If you really look close at it and, ha and ha how you... Uh, uh, Decide uh, re uh, representation uh, in the Constitution, but you, but you're right well, about that. I'm a, you know, I, 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 I never, I'm with I never you said, Sorry, sorry, Don. I never said that uh, Obama was an American. I always said he was anti-American. Obama is not an American. I don't care what he shows. He's not an American. Not as stipulated by the Constitution. No way. He was born in Kenya. Or he was born to a woman who is white, American, and the other one who is a black, Kenyan, Muslim. And the other one was also Muslim. The second husband was also a Muslim. And in his, literally in his school in Indonesia, stamped Muslim. He never said he Islam, never, not once. Never. All he said, he became a Christian. Bullcrap. You don't become a Christian by saying so. You've got to be baptized. Who baptized him? Question. Why did he close all his documents? He's got nothing to hide. Spent millions of dollars, of, over a million dollars, to stop anybody from looking at them. His university is this, is this, is this. Why would anybody do that if you have nothing to hide? Everything about Obama stinks. I said it before he was elected, and I've been saying it for seven and a half years. He is a Muslim. Full stop. I don't negotiate. I agree with you. I, I agree you. with you. I think he will come out after being president uh, at some point and say that he is a, a Muslim. No, no yeah. question in my mind. Look, that, and, in his and meeting... There will be all... Yeah, yeah, sorry. In his, I don't know if you remember this. It was on YouTube, by the way. In his meeting a few months ago in Washington with the Muslim, with the Islamic uh, countries, he walked in front of all the Muslim leaders with his index finger in the air and a smile on his face. The only reason he put the index finger in the air is Allah is one. And everyone there was smiling, including Obama, telling them, I'm one of you guys. It's on YouTube. Don't take my word for it again. Double check it. It's on YouTube. He was smiling, and they were all smiling. All of them. Because they understood him. And he knew what he was doing. Index finger in the air, right hand, and one of you guys. Yeah, okay, look. We wait and see. 
we'll wait and see. I only hope that Christmas and the New Year for all of America will be safe and sound. I only hope that will be the case. But we'll well, I, I believe that there will be an incident over uh, Christmas or New Year. Well, I really do. So, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And the oh, the FBI has failed. Homeland Security have failed. They double five security services checked this woman, and they failed. Five. These are not my figures, ladies and gentlemen. Go and check them. They are on the internet. They failed. God, if they can fail with this woman, God knows how many of them they failed with. Trump is right. Stop all immigration. Stop Islamic immigration. Uh, the reason I say Islamic because you will not find Jews blowing themselves up, or Christians doing it, or Hindus or Buddhists going to slaughter Americans. Never. So when they say, oh, what happened in Colombia? I'm not interested in what happened in Colombia when you have a, a student, a white guy, who decided to do some mass murder. It wasn't done because of Allah. It, it wasn't done because of God. It wasn't done because of Jesus. It was done by somebody who went banana and killed. And people have got to yes. remember this. There are 250 million weapons owned by Americans. There are 320 million Americans. So. Realistically, you should have been tens of thousands of people dead. But you have, what, a few hundred in a year. I'm not saying I dismiss the lives of those who are dying. No. But the probabilities of 250 million weapons, and you have only a few dead, it shows that having guns is excellent. Not having guns is a disaster. Because if one, one or two people in France had a pistol on them, the mass murderers would not have succeeded in what they did. Only two people. Or if somebody in this in the school had one pistol on them, there wouldn't have been a mass slaughter. It is the lack of having right. guns that caused death. Guns do You're not kill, ladies right. and gentlemen. Weapons do not kill. Humans kill. And in Israel, they're using knives. So what do you do? You stop also knives? You don't sell knives? You make them into plastic? Bullcrap. It's not the way to deal with it. What the Israelis are doing, they are arming themselves now. The mayor of Jerusalem said, every Jew carry a gun. End of conversation. That's it. You cannot deal with terror the way you deal with somebody who is a, crimi a simple criminal. You have to overcome terror with counter-terror, with immense counter-terror. Thank you. You're, you're absolutely right on that one. Yeah. You, yeah. Thank God absolutely we Absolutely right. Thank God we oh, agree. Well, I tell you, you, uh, you anyway, really, uh, yes, you way, really should James, change my outlook. Sorry, uh, don't. <laughs> yes, yes, we are, we are... We are on for tomorrow. It's going to be IQ Al Rizzoli, Donald Mazzella, and Dan Perkins. We're going to be taping a special edition for iHeartRadio. And uh, as we, uh, I let me look. Let me look here. On the, doing this all on the fly. Uh, five Central, six Eastern tomorrow with uh, with you guys. Definitely. Well, thank you, IQ. I will uh, talk to you tomorrow. And Don, we will talk to you tomorrow as well. Thank you, sir. 
appreciate it, gentlemen. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we've got more coming up. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.